0: Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mac and Harrison.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 96 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, man? It's back.
2: We're back. That's all I have to say. I'm so excited. My team doesn't even play tonight, but I've been like pacing around all day. I think I had ESPN and NHL Network going simultaneously at like four in the morning. Just this is what we live for. It's, it's, One of the the best sports seasons in the world is about to start tonight, and I could not be more excited.
1: Absolutely. We are recording this on October 12th. will be released, and you'll be listening on October 13th. So tonight is opening night in the NHL, starting with the Pittsburgh Penguins playing the defending two-time Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. And then for the late-night game, we've got the Seattle Kraken making their league debut against the Vegas Golden Knights. So that is what Nick is referring to. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my other co-host, Mac Vogel. How you doing? Perfect description of how tonight's going.
3: Happy hockey season, baby. I'm I'm pyre, I'm ugh, I can't even speak right. I'm fired up, I'm pumped up, and both. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Been waiting for this day for a while. I can finally stop mm. wearing that empty better shirt that says waiting for hockey to come back, even though I'm probably still going to keep uh-huh. wearing it. Um yeah, and I love this season too because it crosses over with MLB postseason. You got the beginning of hockey and the finals for M- MLB, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a good one between both both team Both games tonight should be fun. I love that the Kraken are opening against the Knights because it's like the two most recent teams that we've had added to the league.
2: So What's up with the Knights having to do their first five games? or Sorry, the Kraken having to do their first five games on the road, though. It's like you would think they would just make uh, like their first game the home opener No, i mean that would seem better for money i would
3: think but right maybe there's some i don't know is there other things that happen at that arena already like concerts and, sh- and stuff like that or or perhaps they're planning some kind of big extravaganza and they need extra time to I don't maybe know. Yeah. it also just could yeah. be a coincidence like the nhl their scheduling is always kind of bonkers like it, it never works out for like a couple of teams, you know what I mean. Like somebody always gets screwed. So maybe it's just like a "hey, freshman, fuck you" kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I, I know um, which I know which team gets always gets screwed by the NHL scheduling. But too, we, we can but... cover that later. Yeah, I won't talk Shut about it. Fuck
1: up. Um, it is worth noting that we have a very big interview guest for today's episode. Probably the most requested guest that we have gotten from our fan base. Today we are joined by Joe Beninati, the voice of the Washington Capitals for what twenty five plus years, I think, at this point now. So since I was born, um, yeah. So we were really fortunate and lucky to not only meet Joe B at the Lachlan Family Foundation Golf Tournament, where we got to you know get to know him a little bit, but uh, after that, he agreed to come on. He came on what probably like two or three weeks ago. So still a bit of season season preview stuff in there. Um, you know, just to give you guys a reference, because it was probably mid to late September when he came on, but you will find that in the middle of today's episode. And we just want to say thank you
2: very much, Mr.
1: Beninati, for joining us. Uh, Could not awesome. have
2: been a nicer guy about it. Woke up early in the morning to fit it into his schedule and went over the allotted amount of time that he had just to answer our questions. So can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Uh, real quick before we hop in into anything. Uh, we're recording this on the 12th, like you mentioned, but people will be listening on the 13th. Do you know what else they're going to be doing on the 13th? No. They're going to oh. be going to Don't Know Tavern at 7 p.m., where we will be hosting a watch party for the Caps Rangers season opening title fight.
1: Uh, if you're in the Baltimore area, it's uh, located in Federal Hill, right at the corner of Light and East Fort Ave. So check check it out. I mean, it's a great spot. Um, good local business, great owner. We're very you know, fortunate and lucky that we're being able to host this there. So come hang out with us, come drink some beers, come eat some wings, $5 wings tomorrow night. You can't beat that. So, um, it's gonna be fun.
3: I can't think of a single reason not to be there. I mean, you got the wing deal. You got literally one of the most highly anticipated games we've had in a while, obviously, cause we haven't mm-hmm. had any games, but you know, people have been talking about this game all summer long. um, I, I would love to be there. Obviously, I'm not in town, but if I was there, I'd be there. If you're in
1: Baltimore, you better be there. Absolutely. Going to be a good time. So, um, gentlemen, I think for question of the day, I'm going to save this for the end because some of, what, some of the questions I have for you guys at the end, I think this ties into. so we'll save that. Um, so before we get into the league news, you guys already know, this episode is brought to you by Brackish Life. If you take a minute to talk about Brackish Life, if you look, if you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's real bay apparel made by real bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh brackish
2: life. Nick, I'm going to toss it to you for the league news. Sure, why not? A bunch of shit to get to today. It's going to be a long one for sure, but we have to get you guys geared up for the season, so deal with it. Uh, First things first, this came over the wire to us about two hours ago, three hours ago. Uh, Avalanche superstar Nathan McKinnon has tested positive for COVID-19. He says he has no symptoms whatsoever, but is going to miss the season opener against the Chicago Blackhawks, so... Uh, For any of you fantasy hockey players out there that might have just drafted him, look out. You might have to make some changes. Uh, Mark Giordano was named the first captain of the Seattle Kraken. Hats off to Gio. I think I don't really anticipate anyone else getting that C over him when you look up and down their roster. Uh, He had held that role with the Flames previously. Yanni Gord, Jordan Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, and Adam Larson are going to rotate as alternate captains as well. I uh, saw this one come over the wire the other day, some not so great news to report. Uh, it has been reported by the NHL that Carrie price has voluntarily entered the NHL NHLPA player assistance program. The article mentioned that there will be no further comment at this time. Obviously this isn't for us to speculate on. There's a couple things to mind that, you know, that come to mind when you think of the player assistance program, but we just want to wish Carrie the best and hopefully he's doing what he needs to do to get healthy and, you know, in a good place. So hats off to him and his family.
3: Yeah. Just want to add, it takes a lot of guts to do what he did, especially after, you know, you literally just played in the Stanley cup finals, the pressure is on in a big hockey city like Montreal. It's not an easy decision to walk away like that, but if that's what the man needed to do, that's what he needed to do. And
2: uh, yeah, like you said, hats off to him. I think that's, that's a great. A I think that's a great point, and I think that playing, like playing for the Montreal Canadiens, is one thing. Playing goalie for the Montreal Canadiens is like, that has to be the toughest position in all of sports. It's
1: quarterback for the Cowboys, exactly. You know, starting pitcher for the Yankees.
3: And I will Those. say too, and I'm, I'm sure there was some of it, but I was happy to not really see a whole lot of people like complaining about this. I know Montreal can be hard on their fan base the same way Toronto can, maybe not quite as bad, but um, you know, I just kind of, when I saw this, I, I like cringed a little cause I was worried I was going to see lots of Habs fans just like, you know, shitting on the dude or something like that. But for the most part, I, I think Habs fans were pretty classy about it. This is a guy that's been with the organization for a long time and that city, that fan base, they've got a lot of love for Carey Price. So. And Um, a guy
2: that's, like, just stuck it out with how bad they've been for so long. Yeah, Yeah, he's
3: been through thick and thin.
2: Early 2010s, they had some competitive teams, but, like, you know, they were really not good for five or six years in there. For sure. Yeah, wishing him the best. Yep. Uh, The Rangers have decided to not name a captain at this time. They're going to go with six alternate captains instead because, of course, as any organization will tell you, six people – at the head of an organization are better than one. Right. Easy. <laughs> so
1: much shade. Holy <laughs> hell. Um,
2: um, they also handed out participation ribbons to every one of their players that came to training camp too. Wow. Can't Tomorrow's lift the cup without fun. a captain. Tomorrow's uh, gonna be fun. That's all I gotta say. True, Mac, you cannot win the cup. Can't lift a the cup
3: without a captain. Who's gonna take it first? All six of them gonna carry it around the ice at the same time. Yeah, you, you know, know someone's dropping
2: it. You have a point, Mac. Uh, speaking of a team that did name a captain, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they named Boone Jenner their captain after the departure of Nick Felino last season. Why do I feel like this guy's like forty five? I know he's like I think he's
3: maybe not even thirties, like right he's around like that. Late
1: twenties. Yeah, yeah, he's
3: like 28, 29. But for some reason I feel like he's been in the league forever. Like just that I don't know, he's got an old guy name
2: too. Boone. Like hundred like- percent uh old guy name. Uh <laughs> yeah. he is one year older than I am. So thank you. How old is he? Wow. He is twenty-eight. Bro. Well, he's captaining <laughs> no. the jackets
1: and you're captaining. I don't care in- what Wikipedia Nothing. said. He's
3: thirty nine.
2: He's thirty nine. <laughs> he is thirty nine. We just decided. Uh four, by the way. Yeah, that's a good move. I, love- I like his game. Uh, four Seattle Kraken players are in COVID nineteen protocol as of today. That is the eve of their season opener, which is going to get started in about what an hour here, or is that two uh, hours from now? They're the, they're the ten. They're the ten thirty game tonight. Okay. Uh, their four. Their game starts in math from here. Uh, Coach <laughs> Dave Haxtell initially said that Jonas Donskoy, Marcus Johansson, Jared McCann, and Jamie Alexiak had joined Cali Yarnkrook in COVID nineteen protocol. The team later reinserted Marcus Johansson into their lineup. Uh, As we mentioned, Seattle gets underway tonight, and they have their first home game against the Vancouver Canucks on the 23rd. So hopefully all those guys can come back for that because I'm sure they don't want to miss out on that sort of atmosphere. I I think that's going to be an insane game, especially with those two cities being so close to each other.
1: Yeah, it just kind of sucks a lot of skill guys in there. I mean, you know, three guys you could easily finish top five on the team and scoring. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for Seattle to kick off the season, but hopefully these guys are back in the lineup
2: soon. Even tougher when you consider that most people are taking a look at their depth chart and going, so where is this scoring going to come from?
1: Yeah, they don't really have that
3: stud name, you know? I would love to see Mojo just, like, have the type of year that he had. Like, the way he played in the playoffs for the Bruins the year they lost to um, St. Louis – if he could somehow find that energy again and just play like that all year, like there's your star. I don't know. I think they do have a couple guys that like have the potential to emerge as a star now that they are on a team where like there's that room for them. But that's like what I'm most excited to watch them for this season is just to see if, if somebody on that team is going to actually like become the, star. sort of like what we saw with like William Carlson on the nights, you know, and like, um, and stuff like that were not really big names until they went to Vegas and had the chance to do something. So
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh watch him just drop like a 30 burger this year and just put up like 30 tucks. He could, like he totally could. It's possible. Yeah. Uh the Rangers have granted Vitali Kratzov permission to seek a trade. Uh this came after he was left off the season opening roster that comes from Elliot Friedman over at Sportsnet. He also refused his assignment to the AHL and is expected to be suspended within the next couple of hours uh, for not doing that. Uh, he's going to the Red Wings. You heard it here first.
1: Red Wings got a lot of picks. Probably get a second form, according to our great source, Forever Blue Shirts. I think he's going to go to the Wings. So.
2: What about the Kings?
1: you know obviously that's an option um i think i don't know i just think like russian young wings have draft picks for days i don't really need them I aren't think the kings gonna be
3: without um byfield for like the entire year or something like, like that four to six
2: months i think Jesus
3: yeah Christ, so maybe i don't know they're not really necessarily
2: like the same type of player but right yeah both good no, I, I hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying Uh, speaking of people left off the opening night roster, Evander Kane is not on the San Jose Sharks opening night roster pending his involvement in two issues that are being under investigation by the NHL. Uh, San Jose considers Kane a non-roster player pending the results of the league's probe. So this is just going to be a wait and see, I guess, but Mac, you know, I think you posed the question, is he ever going to play for the San Jose Sharks again? Or in the NHL again, honestly. Like,
1: I'm so tired of this segment.
3: I'm so yeah, tired of this right. segment. Right. This so guy's boring. name has been on our show for the last six weeks in a row or something like that. Like,
2: what would you rather talk about this or the Jack Eichel scenario? Oh my God.
3: They're both frustrating in
2: very different ways. Honestly,
3: I can't answer it. They're both just frustrating.
1: I'd rather talk about the Canes sucking off Harry Styles on their social media account when he went golfing with uh, Nature's the other day. I oh, he that? did? I did not. The whole Cane, the whole Canes Twitter is about Harry
2: Styles. It's actually oh, okay. kind of funny. Yeah, P- kind of typical. I mean, fitting, but yeah. Yeah. I don't really know much about Harry Styles other than that he was in one direction, but um, There you go. That's a better yeah. step than most people. That, that's all I like. That's all I know. Actually, we're, we're definitely in the minority on this, but yeah hundred percent, a quick Olympic update. Uh, The first few players have been named to each country's respective team and are as follows. We're just going to breeze through here real quick. Canada has Sid McJesus and Petrangelo. Jesus Christ. That's nothing to slouch at. The Czechs have Pasternak, Voracek and Palat. The Danes have Bjorkstrand, Nick Ehlers and Alexander True. The Finns got Sasha Barkov, Miko Rantanen, and Sebastian Aho. The Germans go with Leon Dreisaitl, Moritz Seider, and Philip Grubauer. The Latvians have Rudolfs Balser, Zemgis Gergensens, and Christians Rubens. The Russian Olympic Committee has Vassi, Ovi, and Kucherov. The Slovaks have Andrei Sakara, Eric Chernak, and Yaro Halak. The Swedes have Landis Kogs, Zibanejad, and Hedman. The Swiss have Yossi Meyer and Heesher and your United States of America have Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, and Seth Jones.
1: Not going to go into a bunch of opinions on this because we got a long one here, Um, but I will say Teddy Bluger got snubbed from Latvia, and I'm not proud about that.
2: Is he Latvian? I had no idea. I believe he is. It'd be,
3: uh, it'd be really interesting to see all of these teams play each other three-on-three three with,
1: like, just those three players. Wouldn't
2: that right. be sick? That, that would be, be so cool. Awesome. Yeah.
1: I'm a big fan of that, Nick. I like that a lot.
2: Well, I think we might as well get to why everyone came to this episode today, and that is going to be hearing from our boy, Joe B. It was so great to talk <laughs> oh, to I him. Oh, I thought you were going to say Yacht Lender. Damn it. That would no, be funny. No, okay, you beat sorry. me to yeah. it. But before we get to our boy, Joe B., We have to talk to our boy, Yacht Lender. So we just want to remind everyone that summer may be over, but there's still never been a a better time to get out on the water. Are you looking to finance that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of? Well, you're in luck because the Yacht Lender is a specialist in marine finance. With partnerships with 15 different banks, he is the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding, with over 25 years as an industry leader, the Yacht Lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. You can actually see the Yacht Lender at the Annapolis sailboat show this October the 14th to the 18th and at the Fort Lauderdale show, Fort Lauderdale Boat Show from October 27th to the 31st. Don't wait, apply today at yachtlender.com or check him out on Instagram at yachtlender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. Good job, Nick. Way to keep it together. It's a little bumpy there, but we landed the plane. Let's go ahead and <laughs> toss it off to Joe B right now. All right, everyone. Well, I think it's safe to say our next guest, I think, has to be the most requested guest we've ever gotten on the show by our fans. So it is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Joe Beninati to the Empty Betters podcast. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today.
0: Nick, thank you for the mister. That's um, far beyond. Uh, You start (laughs) saying, mister, I start looking for my dad. (laughs) I appreciate the respect this early in the morning. Thank you.
2: Of course. So uh, just before we hop into your career and everything, how did you
0: get into hockey in the first place? Hockey itself? Well, that was an easy one. My father, I mentioned him. Um, my dad passed away in January of 2003. And um, so many things in our world are flying by at the speed of light. But boy, I remember, you know, it seems like it's been a, not just 18 years since my dad's passed away, but 180 years. It goes slowly. But he was the person who um, introduced me to the sport. My father was an incredible baseball player, a really, really good one, in fact. And some of the most fond memories of of my childhood were watching my dad on a softball field uh, with the New York City firefighters. The team that he played with was just incredible, but they all loved hockey. They were all Ranger fans. My dad was a New York City firefighter in Queens, Um, so there were many times when Early, uh, I would say, gosh, this is something you couldn't do. I would think now about now nowadays, but I would have been, I don't know, nine, ten years old jumping on the Long Island Railroad by myself. I might add going into the city, meeting my dad, and then he would take us downtown to uh, to Madison Square Garden to watch the Rangers. He was a huge Rangers fan. That's how I really found the sport, fell in love with it, playing street hockey, insisted to my dad that I wanted to be a goalie at age six, age seven, and he was the bright one who said, no, 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 you need to learn how to skate first. And, and he made a deal with me. He said, if you if you can make a travel team before you're nine years old as a forward, uh, once that season's over, we'll get into the goalie stuff. And uh, he held true to his word. I made that team. I was I don't I think they called it Mosquitoes or Adams at that time. And I, I played that one year. And as soon as we were done, Dad, let's get the goalie gear. And, and he lived up to his end of the bargain. That's how I really fell in love with the sport. I learned to skate at age, uh, I was five years old in Comac Arena, skating in the dark, pushing a chair at five in the morning. Loved the game from the first second I saw it.
2: That's awesome. So what, what made you want to be a goalie in the first place?
0: Well, it, it, you guys uh, have met me recently at, at my size. I wasn't going to beat anybody for a loose puck in the corner. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I, I was never afraid of a, a street hockey ball or a hockey puck or a lacrosse ball. So I was a goalie in both of those sports. The only thing that really God blessed me with in that sense was incredible reflexes. I I was quick as a cat and I didn't have any fear factor. So they stuck me in the net all the time.
2: There you and, go. Um,
0: I, I just, like I said, I loved it. I, I, I think goalies enjoy the, the puck and the, and the ball, the object ball, the puck coming at them, the play coming to them all the time. I'm sure that has uh, something to do with my love for broadcasting as well, but it was all about reflexes. I, I was pretty quick when I was a kid and um, you couldn't get a pee by me. Some days, some days you could get a beach ball by me, but we won't talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: do have to ask, um, you know, you said your dad was a really good baseball player and I know you were a pretty darn good lacrosse player yourself. So what, what kind of swayed you more towards lacrosse than baseball?
0: Um, Harrison, great question. I was convinced when I went to St. Anthony's High School as a freshman that I was going to play hockey and baseball um, for that team. And yeah, I I made the hockey team as a freshman. I was a varsity goalie. Mission accomplished. Come around to springtime, it was time to make the baseball team as a middle infielder. I, I was a shortstop and I was convinced that there would be no problem making that team. Um, from a, uh, defensive standpoint, really good. I, 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 fielded my position very well. I had a decent arm and I thought I could play shortstop at the high school level. My concern was, am I going to hit well enough? So the first day of of uh, tryouts, I get out there and I actually hit the ball really well, Harrison, for me, I hit the ball really well in the trial. I figured I'm golden. This is, this is going to be great. Uh, I knew I was doing it in the, in the, in the field. I didn't think I was going to hit that well. I hit that well in, in the tryout. And wouldn't you know, the son of a gun head coach cuts me. And I am I am destroyed. I'm walking off the field. I'm all, oh God, you got to be kidding. I walk back towards the high school field house. And wouldn't you know, there's a lacrosse coach. He sees me walking by. He goes, hey, aren't you that little freshman hockey goalie? I said, yeah. He goes, have you ever played lacrosse? I go, no. And he hands me this butterfly net. And I take a stance like Braden Hopey would take a stance in hockey goalie. And he goes, no, 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 no. We stand up in lacrosse. We stand up. Come on out tomorrow afternoon. Just try it. See if you like it. And I fell in love with it. I really did. And uh, I wound up playing um, both sports in goal in high school and tried my darndest to play both in college. Didn't turn out that way in in college, but we can get into that because that's how uh, I found the broadcasting role. But really, my my love of lacrosse came from a, a doomed high school baseball tryout. It's
2: funny. Wow. You don't hear that too often.
0: It's the truth.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, you got hurt uh, your first year in college. You weren't able to play, and that's how you got into broadcasting. Uh, you know, from talking to you at the golf tournament, it just seems yeah. like they kind of just threw you out there, and then you just took to it like a fish takes to water. Is that how it happened?
0: Um, let's just say that I was surprised when – buddies of mine were campus radio station DJs. I went to Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine with every intention, fellas, of being an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, Bowdoin doesn't make TV announcers. Bowdoin makes doctors and lawyers. And I went there and since pretty much age 14, I wanted to help people and I wanted to do it as a doctor. I I love sports. So I figured maybe sports medicine, that would be the way to do it. Uh, Surgery, orthopedic surgeon. I was going to be in sports, but I was going to fix your knee or your elbow or your shoulder. And I went to one of the best schools in the country with every intention of doing that. Couldn't play my uh, freshman year on the ice. Buddies of mine. Hey, you know, we spin records. We're campus radio DJs and, and we also broadcast the sporting events. We do football. We do hockey. Can you help us broadcast these hockey events now that you're not going to be playing? I'm like, you mean like play by play? And, and they said, yes. And I, I, went back in time to when I was 10, 11 years old, and we'd get off the bus and, hey, can we be the 76ers and the Celtics? We'd really pick up basketball. And I was the dum-dum who had all the names in his head. So I called the games while we were playing. And the next day we get off the bus and, hey, we're going to play touch football. Can can we be the Giants and the 49ers? Dum-dum had all the names in his head. We would call <laughs> the game while we were playing. And next day it would be street hockey. Throw the three street hockey nets out there. Can we be the Bruins and the – and the, uh, the flames. Yeah, sure. Why not? And God forbid, I got tired and running around and didn't, didn't call the game. My friends were like, what's wrong. Wait a minute. Where are you? So there was always this little, I don't know, thread back to when I was very young that said, you know what, maybe you could do this. So they threw me on the radio and I did two or three games for the, for Bowdoin college. And all of a sudden I don't understand how, but, um, a cable access TV station, Brunswick. It was Casco Bay Cable. I don't know how they got my phone number at school, but they ring me out of the blue. Hey, we heard you on the radio. You're pretty good. Do you want to do this on television? I said, sir, I'm not even 19 years old yet. He goes, oh, don't worry about that. He goes, do you know anything about high, Do you know anything about football and basketball? I said, well, yeah. He goes, we do lots of high school football and basketball. You can do those sports for us too. I said, are you offering me three sports on TV before I'm 19? He goes, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm like you have a deal, and honestly, fellas, I have no formal broadcast training, journalism, communications training, but I do have 37 years of on-the-job training. <laughs> so that's how it turned out, and that's really how I I, I came to 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 be the um, the well the school's radio and TV announcer, a local high school basketball radio uh, football TV uh, radio and uh, television announcer on and on. And meanwhile, I'm taking all these upper level biology courses and getting my brains beat out in school by my sophomore year. Mom, dad, I don't know about medical school. Oh, really? What do you want to do? I think I want to be a sports announcer. And I hang up the phone about as fast as you could, (laughs) but they supported me. I, I was working in the sports information director's office my sophomore, junior, and senior year in college. By the time I graduated, I walked across the stage. They gave me the SID job that Monday. By the way, you start on Monday morning. I'm like, Cool. Most college kids have to go and look for a job. I have one already. I spent two years as the SID at Bowdoin. And then this is where the story gets a little bit. Mm. Friend of mine was in Portland, Maine. Uh, the American Hockey League uh, Maine Mariners were in Portland. Hey, can you fill in on the radio for um, uh, for a pro game for me? I'm like, you want me to do a pro game? Beautiful. I get, I drive down to, uh, to Portland, Brunswick's 25 miles away. I get on the bus with all these prospects for the then Boston Bruins. And up we go to Sherbrooke, Quebec. And I call my first pro game in the American Hockey League on the radio. And it went pretty well. It went so well that the owner of the team liked me so much that he he sort of gassed my buddy and gave me him that job that following season. So that wasn't cool. cool. That was sort of a dog-eat-dog dog thing. But I didn't plan that. Right, but that's right. how I got into it at the pro ranks. Um, one, two, three, four, five years in the American Hockey League, uh, three in Portland and two in Providence. And then in 1994, I got the opportunity to apply for the caps on TV with WB 50, which is probably before you guys were born. Uh, and I got yeah. that job, luckily, and the rest is history. I, I can't believe it's been 27 years uh, in Washington. This is our 25th anniversary for for Craig Lachlan and I to be together as a TV team. It, it, it's gone by in a blink.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could ask you a thousand questions with your experiences since you've started because
0: you have done it longer than I've been alive. I'll I'll confirm that for you. (laughs) Um, I I hate to say that because I know, but I know it's true.
1: (laughs) It's it's cool though. That's a good thing. You know, Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you just because we've gotten to know Craig and his family pretty well um, in the last couple of months here, but how has your relationship with Craig evolved? You guys have done more broadcasts over the years together
0: one of the most popular questions that people will ask of me. I'm not sure if they ask it of Craig, but they ask it of me. Um, You guys seem so comfortable on the air together, so friendly, so much fun. You're always laughing. Is that real? And honestly, guys, it is. Um, For whatever reason, our personalities have clicked from the very beginning. That first year in 1994, 95, hey, welcome to the NHL, by the way, and there's a lockout. So I'm leaving one of the best jobs in the American Hockey League for a work stoppage. Brilliant of me. But um, I didn't work with Locker that first year. I was on the air with uh, Sean Simpson, who's now in the uh, radio industry up in Ottawa, actually. Um, Sean and I did games together in that 95 season. The following year, Locker worked with Al Koken. Al Koken was a play-by-play guy. Kenny Albert had just left then HTS to do Rangers radio. And then in year one, two, three for me, which would have been 96, 97, uh, the good people at home team sports decided it should be me, Locker, upstairs, Al Koken on the sideline as a rinkside reporter. And that's the way we've been for the last 24 plus. So, um, But Locker and I just clicked. Uh, you know, He'll tell you that we're the odd couple, and I don't disagree. Um, we are dramatically different in so many different <laughs> ways, but they mesh when it comes to being on the air. And you touched on the Lachlan family. They've treated me like family over the last 25 years. I can't say enough good things about uh, Linda, Courtney, and Kyle, and uh, even Locker, too. Yeah, as much as I admit it, as much as I want to I dump on Craig, I, I can't. He, he's one of my best buddies. He's one of my closest friends. Uh, I love him like a brother, and I'm so glad that we do get along well uh, on the air together. One of the reasons why is we, we choose to keep it. Uh, we stay in each other. stay in our lanes. You know, I in broadcasting, I'm I'm what, where and when he's how and why. And I don't try to twist that. I give him the room to tell tell us how and why things are happening while I focus on what, where and when. And and we've been a good partnership, a good marriage since.
1: So I'm sure you get the question a lot of, you know, what announcers did you look up to or who do you think the best ones are? And I know you've probably given that answer out a bunch. So I'm going to give it a little bit of a different twist. Oh, Harrison twist. In, ter- in terms of like duos, you talk about you and Craig, are there any are there any duos in commentating today that you look up to? Like, for instance, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman always get, you know, the Fox NFL games. Um, you had Doc Emmerich and Edzo. They're always good together. Are there any duos that you
0: look up to? Sure. Um, gosh, so many different role models, uh, mentors. First of all, I, I mean, I tell you, I go back, we were given that lineage of how I got into the business, Um, Mike Emmerich and Gary Thorne were the two announcers who really helped critique me the most when I was cutting my teeth in this business in my early 20s. Uh, I'm forever grateful to them for the letters that they wrote, for the time that they took with me. Um, They gave me a lot of constructive criticisms. Geez, Joe, you do this great. You should work on this a little bit more, more of this, less of that. I, I completely understood where they were going and um, they were tremendous with me in that regard. But when you talk about partnerships and you know duos that resonate, anybody who's working at the national network level right now and getting the number one roles, whether it be you, you mentioned um, Buck and Aikman. Uh, you mentioned Doc and Eddie. Um, the one that stands out for me for a long time would have been Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. I mean, hockey is my first love. Yeah. Um, that tandem, first of all, from a sheer voice quality standpoint, I don't know that you find anything better. I mean, Gary has the voice of God. Bill Clement was so syrupy, strong, and baritone. Uh, those two voices together were amazing. And, and yes, in, in, the, in the height of their, in the peak of their uh, primes, I don't know that you get any better than that. Uh, as far as a guy who could bring energy uh, like Gary and if, as far as a guy who could break the game down as well as Bill did, um, that one really jumps out at me. But there are there are tons more. And I, I have so much respect for, I don't care if you're the number one crew at the network level or the number seven. I mean, you get that opportunity. You're doing it for good reason. Um, I, I think about falling asleep when I was seven, eight, nine years old on long Island, listening to Marv Albert, Um, you know, Marv Albert to me from a cadence and rhythm standpoint was everything that I wanted to be. I'm not trying to do a Marv Albert impression, but the way he handled play-by-play mechanically, I thought was, was just terrific. His voice was very raspy and very unique um, and still is, and was all the way into his, what was it early eighties before uh, he retired from TNT. Uh, But I always enjoyed the way his cadence and rhythm was delivered. Uh, I try to take a page of that from him. I think and I, I think I'll beg and borrow from a lot of different announcers, but from a tandem standpoint, you know, you could say Summerall and Madden. Um, they were phenomenal together. You could say Michaels and Collinsworth. I, I understand why people will identify and, and match people with their, Uh, with their play-by-play and color talent. I just, I keep coming back to Thorne and Clement as awesome. I think Eddie O and Doc were terrific for a long, long time together. Um, Anybody that Doc worked with, he would help make better. And that was one thing that he always imparted to me when I was really young and just starting out in the American Hockey League. Joe, it's not about you. It's about the players on the ice. It's about the players on the football field. It's about the players on the court. And it's how well you relate to the analyst that's going to endear you to the viewer or to the listener. And, and we can talk about the differences between radio play-by-play and television. But as well as you get along with your fellow announcer in the booth, or as well as you get along with three and four announcers in the case of uh, Al Koken and Alan May, when we are four live mics on an NBC Sports Washington show it's Joe's job to put all of that together, to mesh with everyone, to sync up with everyone so that it's not just Alan May giving a report from inside the glass and Joe basically holding up his hand and going, all right, back to the play. No, t- tag up with him, sync up with him, re- relate to him. Uh, you should do that whether it's with Craig Lachlan, who you've been with for 25 plus years, or if it's your tossing back and forth to the studio with the... Uh, um, whomever's back there or Rob Carlin or whomever's hosting at that time, you you have to have and build those relationships. So it's a great question, Harrison, about the tandems, but the great, one of the great things about TV is that it's a, it's a huge team. If, If I'm having teamwork relationships with the announcers and with the audio guys and with the video guys and with producer director and graphics, that's really why I fell in love with television because of the teamwork in radio, it's me and the listener. And that's, Great, And we can overly romanticize that too. But to me, the television aspect is all about teamwork and how well you get along with that partner, whether it's one, two, three, four, or 25.
3: You mentioned Gary Thorne and uh, obviously you're talking to three Baltimore Orioles fans. So we've, we've certainly had our experience and our love for Gary Thorne. One thing that I love so much about him is that he can so flawlessly do baseball or hockey I know you've done a lot of different sports and I'm kind of curious, is there a different approach to whether you're calling a lacrosse game or a hockey game, kind of what goes into preparing differently for different sports?
0: Absolutely, Mac. And, and I met Gary when he was working at the university of Maine. Um, Gary is an attorney. I'm not sure that people know that Gary is um, (laughs) just an amazing guy in, in a lot of different ways. I met him when he was doing Humane Black Bears and I was doing Bowdoin College Polar Bears and we were in the same end zone uh, broadcasting. And I I asked him if he would help uh, listen to a tape or two and he did and he offered very, very strong constructive criticisms which have helped shape the way I work uh, even now some 30 years later. Um, Gary is, (laughs) Gary was blessed with an enormous voice. Just a beautiful, for what we do in the industry, uh, baritone voice. It cuts through. There's no challenge for him to cut through all that's involved on the television side, radio side, or if he's in a stadium with 100,000 people, that voice is so powerful, it cuts through. I'm not saying that you have to manufacture your voice, Mac. You don't. But you do have to project a little differently. If I'm speaking with you on the podcast, this is my speaking voice. But if I'm broadcasting, my projection changes a little bit. I reach the back of the room. I'm not faking it. I'm not creating a phony radio DJ voice. I'm not (laughs) puking all over myself. No, I'm not doing that. But I am driving the voice a little differently. And Gary does that naturally. It's just beautiful to listen to. But you asked me the question about baseball to hockey. So I've, had the good fortune of calling eight different sports, but whenever I have the chance to teach or reach out to or discuss sports broadcasting with young announcers, play-by-play people in particular, I tell them to practice both hockey and baseball because they're at both ends of the spectrum. And baseball is so slow and methodical and hockey is so fast that your challenge in hockey and in lacrosse for that matter, you mentioned lacrosse, is to make an extremely fast sport sound slow and under your control. And that takes time. That takes a lot of repetition. That takes a lot of practice. Whereas in baseball, one of the key ingredients in baseball is to learn how to shut up. That pause is not easy for an announcer. We all want to fill the air, but being able to, Is tough. And in baseball, especially on television, you learn how much of it is enough, when to lay out is the technical term, when not to, when to let the director. Baseball is a wonderful uh, sport on television for the director. He or she cuts so many different shots in any different sequence that they don't all need to be connected to voice whether it be play-by-play or color analyst or sideline reporter, learning how to lay out is hugely important in baseball. And the other thing that you learn in baseball is to be conversational because there is so much downtime, dead time. There is so much walking around the mound, so much stepping out of the box, adjusting batter's gloves. You learn how to have a conversation. I wish I could do more of that in a hockey broadcast with Locker, with whomever I'm working with, but you can't because the game is the most important thing and it's moving so quickly. And you may go three, four five minutes without a whistle and you have seven or eight line changes on the fly. There's no room for that conversation. The beautiful thing about football is unless your team is the team, one of the teams you're working with is no huddle. You do have that play by play tackle, made color analyst replay stoppage with the huddle converse, 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 then the sanctity of the snap shut up, if you're in a 100,000-seat stadium, shut up on 3rd and 10. Let the crowd build that momentum. At ESPN, they called it the sanctity of the snap. So they literally wanted our conversation to end right as the quarterback was getting under center or in position in a shotgun. Let that 115,000 people in Ann Arbor bring you to the snap of the ball, then go. But that's football. It has such a nice formula. It's a perfect television sport. The same can't be said of lacrosse and hockey. They're much quicker in that sense. Um, But I want young announcers to do hockey and baseball. And if you can do those two well, you can do everything in between. Basketball is quick, not as quick as lacrosse. Volleyball is quick, not as fast as lacrosse or hockey. Um, pick a sport, your favorite. I mean, like I said, I, I've done eight of them. Tennis is really unusual. When you're doing tennis, you're not actually calling the play on television. If you if you're listening to a a U.S. Open event, you hear Fowler laying out the whole time over the over the actual play, over the actual rally. As soon as the ball goes in the net, then he makes a quick comment. Then McEnroe follows. Then it's quiet for the serve again. You you learn all of those cadences and rhythms the more that you practice. And I, I, I want young announcers to put on the caps, mute me and Craig, and do the game themselves. I want you to take a game you have on DVD that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did, and you're watching that football game. Turn the sound off, practice, do the play-by-play. If you're going to be a great basketball player and you want to, you want to be a 90% free-throw shooter, what do you do? You practice. You shoot hundreds and hundreds of free throws. If you want to be a great play-by-play guy, well, I don't have the chance to do it, Joe. How can I do it? Well, hit mute. Just keep 20 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day, an hour a day, 10 minutes a day. Just keep hitting mute on things that you have. Go to YouTube, push the play on on an Alabama game, have the rosters in front of you, do the game. The more reps you get, the better you'll get, the more you'll have that opportunity, hopefully someday, to be in front of the right person who's hiring.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I do want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Your experience with the Capitals—you've been there since '94, uh, conveniently—that's when I was born. So my entire life. (laughs) Uh, What has it been like to watch this team grow and succeed and fail and succeed through your eyes?
0: Oh, um, an amazing ride, really—an incredible journey for those 27 years. Um, When I when I came to town. The team was notorious for playoff heartbreak. And wouldn't you know it, my first experience in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 1995, if memory serves, was a 3-1 collapse to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I should have known a lot right from that. Um, Yeah, the playoff struggles have hurt. The great regular seasons have been wonderful to describe. Uh, In the early years for me, leading up to the Stanley Cup run in 1998, those teams were veteran laden. Uh, It's great. I see the over shoulder. I see the the blue and the bronze and the black. I remember those teams building up to a 1998 Stanley Cup final. And, you know, at that time, we could do two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So Locker and I did that series. Uh, the opening series round with uh, Boston, which was overtime filled in 1998 and just how good Oli Kolzig was phenomenal in the, uh, in the Ottawa series that we were able to do. And at that time ESPN had the rights. So we turned the caps over. We waved bye-bye as they get to a conference final. Um, and, and just an amazing run against the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And I remember Dominic Hasek, I think throwing the glove and all that stuff. It was just so much fun to watch and, I was um, I, I I knew how good Detroit was. I didn't have a lot of hope there. Um, truth be told, I was just about starting with the WNBA Washington Mystics during the, the Stanley Cup Final. So I was I don't know somewhere on a plane with Nikki McCray while while the Caps were playing in a few of those Stanley Cup Final games. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't expect them to do very well against Detroit. They didn't get a win. I wish they did. Uh, All the while, though, I was learning the ropes from incredible um, players, uh, coaches at that time. I just I couldn't say enough good things about someone like Dale Hunter from a work ethic standpoint. Uh, I was there when Sergey Gonchar was growing up and what a world class talent he was that really people didn't know about nor appreciate. Ole Kolzig and Ken Klee and Peter Bondra, uh, those guys were so amazingly personable off the ice they were so cooperative to us uh off the ice the whole team was i i've said this a time or two i've been doing the, the capitals for what 26 seven years and there may have been two or three jerks in the whole time i'm not going to name the jerks but hockey players are so incredibly down to earth and kind and uh looking they look forward to helping out in the community they're just uh, they're wonderful and and i think they're the best athletes on the planet with what they have to do from a size, speed, strength, balance standpoint, those teams were amazing. And then we had the fire sale. Um, you know, it was time for that team to to, to bottom out. It turned out to be, um, you know, you're waving bye-bye to the likes of Peter Bondra and Robert Lang. And yeah, Yaramir Yager, we had you for a few years, but before we even knew it, you were gone. And uh, it was time to draft somebody named Alex Ovechkin. And we've been plum spoiled since 2004 watching that guy. But building up with the Young Guns team was an adventure. Watching those guys on the ice and especially off of it was amazingly entertaining. Uh, There are so many stories that I cannot tell you from off of the ice with that team. Let me just suffice to say it was uh, like you were traveling with a rock and roll band at times. Um, They did everything well. And they did it at 1,000 miles an hour. And it always made me wish and wonder, please let these guys have the chance to win a cup. I would like to see Alex Ovechkin someday celebrate because I've seen him the way he reacts on just a normal Tuesday night. Let me see what it would be like if he were to ever win. The 2010 team, which was um, a-, a president's trophy winner under uh, Gabby, under Bruce Boudreau, after they make that amazing switch uh, in, I think it was 07 or 08, Uh, From Glenn Halland to Bruce, you could just see the team taking its wing and and flying. And the 2010 team wasn't ready to win a cup. They were talented enough, but they weren't ready to win a cup. And they flamed out against Montreal. But all the while, I think Locker and I knew we were up for something special. And that next decade was remarkable. Um, I'm hitting fast forward here to answer your question. But the 16 team, the 17 team were as good as I've ever seen. Uh, I think both of those teams were cup worthy. I really do think the Capitals should have had a dynasty run in there, 16, 17, 18. Um, Had they been able to to beat Pittsburgh in 16 or 17, I was convinced they would have won a cup then. Pittsburgh goes on to win those two in a row. That would have, could have, should have been the Caps. The 18 team figured out how to take a punch in the nose and give one back. And once they got past uh, Pittsburgh, once Kuznetsov scores in that overtime game, I knew they were going to win it. No disrespect to Tampa, no disrespect to to, uh, Vegas, but I knew once they got, uh, quote unquote, John Walton demons off the back, uh, demons be gone. Um, they exercised that, that demon in Pittsburgh and I I knew they were ready to win. Um, the 18 run was awesome in so many ways. Um, the 18 run was sad because at that time, I do believe it was that season that locker had mentioned to me that, uh, Linda had been diagnosed with her cancer. So the job that Craig did and has done since 2018 up until now, with all that's weighing on him, and thank goodness Linda is is doing well, and I I, I love seeing her smiling face whenever we we get together, uh, but he was going through some really, and she, obviously, all the whole family was going through some really tough times there, and the job he kept doing on, on the air was brilliant. I mean, with all that was on his mind, with all, I mean, I'm sure it was a sanctuary. It was a chance to get away from, from your troubles and all, but he was awesome. And we didn't have a chance to connect during that Stanley cup run because Linda had been diagnosed. He needed to stay home. So, you know, at that time we start doing pre and post game shows for NBC sports, Washington. I was on the road with the team with Alan May and with Tariq El-Bashir in, in Tampa and in Vegas locker was not. We had the chance to get together afterwards. And it's one of the, my favorite stories to tell among a gazillion from winning the cup. Uh, and if I've heard if you've heard this one before, guys, please indulge me. And I don't mean to bore you, but we were at dinner um, in the city. It was Courtney, uh, Linda Locker and I and maybe one of uh, Court's friends. And she's checking out social media. Hey, the cup is at Cafe Milano. Really? That's only a few blocks away. Let's go. Cause we hadn't seen the team since they had come home from Vegas. Locker and I strong arm our way upstairs to the, to where the guys are. And it's one of the few times where they were not surrounded by a gazillion fans. All the fans were outside on the street. Couldn't get in. Locker and I get upstairs. We're high five and hugging. The guys are feeling no pain. It's an amazing party. There is the Stanley cup and Locker and I are both of the school of thought that um, we were trained. You don't touch that thing unless you win it. And, um, I have never touched the Stanley Cup one as I walked into that room, nor had Locker. Um, one by one, the Caps, John Carlson stands up and goes, Joe, pick it up. No, 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 no. John, thank you so much. This is wonderful. I, I can't tell you how happy I am for you guys. Joe, pick it up. No, no, no. I can't do that. Braden Holpe, pick it up. Tom Wilson, pick the effing thing up. Alex sovech all of them, pick it up. <laughs> it was so surreal and so cool. Yeah, I picked it up. I picked it up chest high and a lot of the weight of it, the damn thing is in the ass end of it. Locker went overhead with it. I have the pictures to prove it. I, I was surprised that he did that, but it was so amazing that the guys wanted us to feel part of it like that. Uh, I mean, the hair on my arm stands up when I think about that story, because that was, that was the team recognizing us. That was a team showing us respect when they didn't have to um, amazing. So the whole run, we've seen the whole gamut of, of emotion. Right now, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the start of a new season. I do feel like, if I'm going to use an analogy, guys, I do feel like the plane is starting to land. I don't think it's yeah. spiraling, but I think the plane is starting to land. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been really lucky when you think about it. And things like this in a salary cap age, it, it's, they are tending to be cyclical. Pittsburgh and Washington fans have been flat out really fortunate for a long, long time. And I think both of those teams' planes are, are descending. Um, let's see if they're able to pull up uh, and how hard and how well they can climb in a, in a very tough division. Um, but the Capitals have treated me to a lot of incredible games on the ice, to emotion off of it. Uh, it's going to make for a really good book one of these days. I think Locker and I have to be up for that pretty soon. And maybe during a, a 25th anniversary, we can get our heads together and start putting pen to paper.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that assessment that you just made and uh you know I know we're we're keeping you kind of long here and we're running out of No don't, time don't worry hard. about it. Um but I do want to ask you before we wrap up, um is there one specific call that you would say is your favorite? I mean I know you've had some legendary ones that'll probably be tied to certain moments forever, but is there one in particular um that stands out to you and is it
0: Wowie Kazawi for Craig? No it's not Wowie Kazawi. <laughs> I could have punched him in the head on Wowie Kazawi. Um I couldn't believe that came out of his mouth. There have been a lot of those instances for both of us over the last 25 years. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's one Harrison. I really don't want to pin it to just that. Um, I never wanted. It's just my belief. I don't have signature calls and catchphrases. I never wanted to do that. Uh, uh, so many of my broadcasting heroes who are network level, frontline, front and center Play-by-play callers didn't have a "Hey, hey, what do you say?" or a or a jumping jack flash or a you know anything that was gonna be signature to them. Uh, I, you know, holy cow! I, I don't, I didn't want to do that. I wanted you to recognize me for as much of the calls as you can remember. I wanted, I don't want, I don't want game six of a Stanley Cup. F- final game, which I, I haven't had the chance to privilege to call, but I don't want game six of a first round playoff game to sound markedly different than a Saturday night against Pittsburgh in the regular season. I want those to all be broadcast at a certain level. Um, and I want to give them emphasis that's due. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, game six of the opening round in the, against the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to sound like, Uh, games that we did with Monday night with the Atlanta thrashers. I'm not going to say it's going to sound the same intensity, but I need to give it the same respect. I I think the players deserve that. I think the listeners, the viewers deserve that. I don't locker and I don't Cadillac in and just, you know, ham and egg a game because it's a, it's a Thursday night against Calgary. Um, uh, That's a long winded way of me saying that I, I don't want you to specifically remember um, great calls. I, I'll leave that for the editors. I'll leave that for you three to, to sift through an awful lot of games. Now I'm sure better than 2000 games now where you could sit there, I hope and pick out a random game in 1997 and compare it to a random game in 2015. And you know what and go, geez, those guys are pretty much the same and consistent then and now. That's what I want to be recognized for. I don't want to be recognized for the hallelujah moment of Alex Ovechkin scoring his 700th goal in New Jersey. Yeah. I I hope we treated that right. I hope we treated 500 against Ottawa, right? I hope we did that well. Um, Yeah. I I remember, and I know simply sensational is going to go down in history as one of the greatest goals. I'm glad people like the goal call. I didn't manufacture that. That's just what came out of my mouth that, that time you could not prepare for that particular play in what was it, 2006. And I've said this before on, on a number of different shows, that was the last goal in a blowout win on the road. I think it was a day game. And it wasn't. there wasn't much atmosphere inside of Gila River Arena at that time. But we were treated to one of the greatest plays of all time in the NHL. I mean, that goal is pretty damn hard to beat. And I, I'm pleased with the way the call went. Yes, people are going to identify me with that. For a long, long time, I've been the luckiest guy in the world that I've been the soundtrack to Alex Ovechkin. No disrespect to any of the other players, Nicholas Backstrom, Mike Green, any, you pick you pick the player, uh, the great goalies that we've had a chance to call anybody. But this is Alex Ovechkin. This is a guy who could quite easily be the greatest goal scorer of all time. I think he already is, regardless of who he has to still catch, including 99. You, dum-dum Joe, you, have had the opportunity to call his, his career how blessed have I been? So there have been so many incredible moments that he's treated us to. I don't want to be just pinned to one signature moment like that. I just don't. I remember you know, here's a random double overtime win in New York city in a playoff series. Uh, Jason Chimera caught, scores, a weird goal on a bouncing puck past Henrik Lundqvist. I remember that game very fondly because I thought locker and I really had um, great play-by-play and color chemistry, and that game had everything. It had the New York atmosphere. It had the double overtime. My God, the Caps actually won a multi-overtime game. There have been many of those, but that was one that I do remember, and I remember great chances and great goalie saves, and um, that one, nobody's going to sit there and look through the whole list of games that we've called and pick that one, but that one does stand out. I remember that being a specifically great call. I want to hope that all of them are. So I, I don't want to just sit there and circle ones for you or throw darts at them. I would like to think that you feel that we're pretty consistent, that we've worked at a really high level for a long time and we consistently deliver, whether it's, like I said, Tuesday night in San Jose or, or game seven of a playoff series against the Rangers. I want those games to be called with the same professionalism.
2: What are your expectations for this Caps team coming into this season? I know you mentioned it earlier. That Metro division hasn't gotten any easier, and it just seems like every big ticket-free agent wants to land there. So what what expectations do you have for the team this year?
0: I still like this team a lot. I know Father Time is catching up to them, and Father Time's undefeated. I get that. I, I still think that there's something to be said for experience. I think this team knows how to dial it up and dial it down at the right times. Uh, dial it down when they don't have to exert as much energy. Dial it up when they do. Um, for me, I think they're as talented as you get on the top two lines. I just, I, I want to see how time will affect Nicholas Backstrom. He's my first concern right now. I, I, I'm under the impression that he's not necessarily going to be on the ice when we start training camp. So there's a concern there because Nick looked very uncomfortable at the end of the season that we just concluded. I can't believe the injuries befell the team at the time that did last year, because I I thought Washington was playing pretty well up until three weeks to go in the regular season. Then uh, eight got hurt. 19 got hurt. 92 got sick. 77 got hurt. Wilson got hurt. uh, Carlson got hurt. Um, it, it was, you know, where is, is Samsonoff available? All that happened in the last month of the season. You weren't going to beat Boston that way. No way. And, and you didn't last long against the Bruins. Can those guys stay healthy for a while there? You know, thinking back to 16, 17, 18, 19, the caps were often among the most healthy teams in the league. Is this a product of age or is it just bad luck that they're getting these injuries? If those injuries crop up again, That's going to be hard for this team to be in the top four or five. As good as the Atlantic is, guys, is the Metro going to get four teams into the playoffs? I think the Atlantic may even sneak in with a double wild card. You have to concern yourself about that. We're a long ways away from that, but I look at Carolina's roster. I look at the New York Islanders roster, and I I can't help but think that those are top teams in the Metro. Uh, I think Washington and Pittsburgh can contend with them. Are the Rangers going to improve? You know the Devils are climbing. Philadelphia made a lot of moves in the offseason. That's a vastly improved defense, and I don't think Carter Hart can be that bad. I I really like that young player in the goal. Philadelphia just seems to have a way of chewing up goalies. I don't know why, but I expect Carter Hart to be better. How high will Philly climb? You know, I expected Philly to win the division last year, and I like their defense. I don't know what the heck went wrong with it, but they sure as hell have revamped it with with Ristolainen and Yandel and Ellis. I mean, that's not, that should be a much improved defense. I I think the only team you can spot in the, in the uh, Metro and say, well, maybe next year is is Columbus. And I know that that team will rebuild. I like their management there very much. And uh, for a while, I thought they had it going and now they've torn things down and things have occurred on and off the ice. But I think the Metro is going to be rough and I think the Atlantic is a really, really good division. So um, when you look at the Eastern conference, it's going to be a dogfight for those eight playoff to, eight playoff spots.
1: Yeah, I think everything you just said. A Carolina's loaded. The Islanders are loaded, and they just got Choro. I think yesterday, and I like that move for them a lot. So, should be an interesting season coming up. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what it has in store for us. But
0: always twists and turns.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's never easy. I, it?
0: I think everything starts with health for the Caps. I just do Harrison and Mac and, and Nick. I do. I just think. If they're healthy, they have the skill set to do really well. Will there be an earlier than expected sighting of Connor McMichael or Alexi Protis? Will If Backstrom is going to miss some time, I hope he doesn't, please, because I think Nick is, the, I think in many ways, Nick is the most valuable cap. I think, I don't know that there's a player who has more responsibility on his plate than Nick. Maybe John Carlson, but I, I think Nicholas, from an all-around standpoint, is so vital And he looked very uncomfortable last year. And I don't know that he's feeling much better. And that worries me at the outset of what we hope will be an 82-game season. And, yeah, there are going to be breaks in there. But, I mean, Nick is going to be asked, I would assume, if he's healthy to to play in the Olympics. He he could use those three weeks off, couldn't he? I mean, if we're healthy, I, I like the way the lineup stacks up. If we're not, then things become more and more interesting. Our depth will be challenged. And you're going to see Farivari get a role this year. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know the club is really um, high on the work of, uh, of Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I think he's going to play as much as possible. I thought Nick Jensen came on really well. So the bottom of that defense core looks nice and solid. How will Michael Kempney return? He's such a beautifully fluid skater. Um, when you watch him, you probably think he's, ah, he's 100%. But he's had two major injuries in back-to-back years. Who is that 13th forward going to be? Is it going to be Jansen Fialbi? Is it going to be Beck Malenstein? Is it going to be Pino? Can you even afford a 13th forward? I mean, with the way the salary cap is. I think there are going to be days when the caps don't carry 23 on their roster just due to financial reasons. How big of a leap will Samsonov make? Um, that's a player with enormous talent. And I hope as he matures, underline, please italicize, 24-point type, matures, He can be a star in this league, but he's got to mature and and groom himself properly. And with the help of others off the ice, it's going to be a fascinating year. I, I just wish, you know, you've been drafting so low, not high for a long time. Your prospect pool is not nearly as highly rated as, let's say, Ottawa or L.A., so where are those young kids going to come up, come from, who are going to be impactful? Are you, the, are you going to see the emergence of fourth and fifth round draft picks all of a sudden helping uh, the caps at, at the NHL level? Uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, that's part of the, the mystery of it all. That's one of the great things about a new season. Everybody has that hope, but I think for the caps, they have hope and they have question marks wondering who, what, where, when, and, and if they keep the group that lines up on opening night, assuming that please that Nicholas is ready, um, they can contend with anybody. It's just how long can they keep that band together? Yeah, you
3: nailed it. There's definitely a lot of question marks going into a new season. We got what preseason hockey only a couple weeks away now, too. It's a couple be weeks. We know it. Mac, Mac, slow next down. A we couple pick. weeks.
0: It's I have we a game now. to broadcast this Sunday. Oh,
3: man. <laughs> <laughs> I have football Jeez.
0: on Saturday. I have hockey on Sunday. No BS. <laughs> oh, my God. Before <laughs> I know it, even. Yeah. Yeah. No, the guys are, the guys are on the ice. I want to say they do their medicals tomorrow. They do a lot of their physicals with the doctors and nurses tomorrow, and then they'll be on the ice Thursday, Friday, and they're playing a game on Sunday. It's weird the way training camp works.
1: Yeah. We're, we're doing this interview on September 21st. We got opening night puck drop, I believe the 13th against the Rangers. So that's going to be, that's (laughs) going to be a highly, uh, highly watched game. So that'll be fun. But Joe, we, we really appreciate you joining us. I mean, you know, this is awesome. And a, a lot of our guests
2: have been requesting you. So, Guys,
0: my pleasure. Let's do it again soon. You have the number, you know how to get in touch with me. I appreciate it. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Joe for chatting with us. Such a funny guy. I mean, uh, when he starts to open up and come out of a shell, I, I don't know if there's a more entertaining person to be around. Yeah. And he had really great things to say
3: too, just for like future broadcasters out there or anybody who's thinking about kind of going down that career path. he he had a lot of really cool stuff to say as far as, you know, how to just little tips of how to make it far in that industry. And and I liked what he was saying along those lines a lot.
1: Goat. And as a Pens fan, I still stand by that. I love Joe Beninati. I think he's one of the best commentators of all time. Nick, I know on your hype video that you made for us, which by the way, great job on that, that call in the Sabres playoff game, Was it Breer who buried that one? Chris Drury. Yeah. Chris Drury. Wrong right-hander. Sorry. Um, Yeah, that was just electric. I've had so many calls that I've listened to growing up. You know, the whole 2009 Cup run for the Pens on versus that whole series against Carolina. He called that. That was just so cool um, to actually be able to meet him, you know, talk to him, sit down with him. So thank you, Joe. We really appreciate it. And before we get to our division previews, I think Mac has a word for our listeners.
3: Yep, I know we're all excited for those division previews, but before we move on, we just want to remind you that this season, all of our picks are powered by SharpRank. SharpRank created the first-ever cross-sport rating system, ranking betters from any sport on one leaderboard that anyone can dominate. Even you. SharpRank is backed by some of the biggest names in the sports gambling world, such as BetMGM, Betway, and Sports Illustrated. Download the free app for iPhone and Android today. And without further ado, let's get into it, fellas.
2: All righty. Uh, Pacific Division to start it off. We're going to go through these as quick as we can. Harry, why don't you get us rolling here with the Ducks? Let's the do Anaheim
3: it. sucks.
2: The Anaheim sucks. Yeah, that's kind of
1: the name of the game here. So going into this season, they are plus 10,000 to win the division, coached by Dallas Eakins, entering his third year. Last year, they went 17-30-9 and nine, and finished eighth in the Honda West Division and did not qualify for the playoffs. I think one storyline that we were all a little surprised by over the offseason is that uh, Ryan Getzlav stays still. There's a lot of speculation about him leaving. He's been their captain for years. He's been there since the 03 draft, so he's staying put. But, uh, boys, I think when I look at this lineup, a lot of young talent, a lot of potential, but I just don't think it's there yet. There's been a lot of questions about John Gibson's future and extension is going to have to come here soon or he's going to be leaving town. So I just don't think that this team is there yet. And in terms of the future, they just need like one or two more pieces on the back end, in my opinion. I mean, they have Drysdale as their bright, shining star on the back end, but you know, I don't, I'm not a huge Lindholm fan. Manson's decent. Fowler's getting up there in age. I'm not even going to comment on Shad and Kirk. Um, Jacob Larson, not bad. I mean, you know, it's decent, but Drysdale's really the only one back there that I see making a big splash in the future. I think the one guy that we're all looking forward to watching this year is Trevor Zegers. I, I think he's the he's the he's the
2: box office player, as Stephen A. Smith would say. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, we're looking at uh, these lineups courtesy of Daily Faceoff right now. They have him and Max Comtois slot in the first line with Ricard Raquel, which don't sleep on that. If those guys get clicking, if zegris can pick up a, a top center role, that that could be dangerous. But Harry, I, I completely agree with you. This they, they need more pieces. They're not there yet. But some some bright young talent here in Southern California.
3: Yeah. I think all three California teams took a step last year to like, kind of start getting competitive again. I think I'd wager that the ducks are still the farthest from being a good hockey team out of, you know, between them, the sharks and the Kings. Um, They, they finished last in a lot of major offensive categories last season. Um, And I think, you know, it's not going to be a, a whole lot different this year like you said they didn't really do enough to take like a giant step but um yeah i, I don't have a whole lot more to add i think zegras is going to be exciting to watch um troy terry i like max comtois he, he was pretty good last year at, at times but um yeah this team is definitely not making the playoffs
2: this year in my opinion and Max Jones and Sam Steele are young guys that you can keep your eye on too. Jones has done, I think he's done a great job of just acclimating himself to the NHL over the last two to three seasons. Uh, he sort of came in around when Troy Terry did. So I think it's good for them to sort of have, you know, older guys like Silverberg, Henrik, and, you know, even as old as Getzlaf that are going to be there to help these younger guys. You know, Troy Terry and Max Jones are still young and so are obviously Zegras and Drysdale and Sam Steele. So I, I think that'll be a huge help for them as well.
1: For sure. Um, you know, I'm just curious, do they sell at the deadline or not? Do they get Gibson extended? Cause he is their best player on their roster and there's going to be a lot of teams going for a good goalies this, around these times. So curious to see what happens with Anaheim, but we're going to move on to the next team, the Calgary flames who come in at plus 900 to win the division Coached by Daryl Sutter in his second year last year, they went 26, 27 and three. And finished in fifth place in the Scotia North Division and did not qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. When you look at this team, you know I see a lot of question marks. In my opinion, this will be their first full season under Sutter, so that's worth noting because, you know, I think coaches don't really get to implement their systems entirely when they're mid-season transfers. So curious to see what they can do under him this year. Giordano leaves; that's a huge storyline. Their captain, their ace defenseman—that's a tough one to lose. And, you know, you got to get your forwards back to form. I mean, we saw a couple down seasons here recently from Johnny Gaudreau. Lindholm popped off that first season he came over. That first line was clicking, and now all of a sudden the production trails off a little bit. So, you know, that first line of Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk, they're going to have to pretty much carry the team, in my opinion, when I'm looking at this roster. I think Monaghan has to get his productivity or – I'm sorry, production – back up to where it was that season where the Flames looked like they were going to be a serious contender, and then McKinnon ended their hopes and dreams in overtime on that wicked snapshot down the left wing. What do you guys think? I mean, I know I only touched on the offense, but I want your guys' thoughts.
3: I think the best way I can describe the Calgary Flames is that, to me, this is a team with a little bit of an identity crisis. Like, they don't don't quite know who they are. And what I mean by that is, like, they've got a lot of really – from what I can tell as a fan, like, strong personalities on the team. You know, you got a guy like Matthew Kachuk, Dylan Dubé, Milan Lucic, like, all these guys who, like, are trying to – they either have a big name for themselves or they're trying to make a big name for themselves. Then you got Johnny Goudreau who's, like, you know, there's trade rumors surrounding this guy kind of all the time. Um, They brought in a new goalie, Markstrom and Vladar as well. Like, they just – They, you don't really know like what you're going to get. And I feel like that kind of hindered their ability to like be a good team last year. I'm not sure if it'll be much different this year. I don't see this team making the playoffs. Um, The defense is suspect to me. Like, I don't think. Very average. Yeah. Noah Hannafin's good. Um, Chris Tanev as like your, your, second guy on your first d pairing is like that to me is not good enough zadorov i've always kind of liked i think he's a a big rig d man that can make you pay physically but like i don't know actually i'll say
1: rasmus anderson's kind of good too but it's a it's a decent decor it doesn't pop out at you
3: yeah no exactly they're all just like oh yeah that guy's he's pretty good
2: yeah it's not one that turns a ton of heads. And Mac, going, you know, I completely agree that this team has an identity crisis. And for that reason, I'm honestly not going to be surprised if this team looks completely different after the trade deadline. I agree I th- with that. I like I, the coaching move last year, though. I, coaching I, move was I think good. That is a good idea for them. I think this is going to be one where we see Goudreau or Monaghan not on this team next year. I think it's going to be one of those names that gets moved. I don't think they should move a guy like Dylan Dubé or Manjapani right now. I, I don't think that would be the right thing for that team. Michael Backlund's been there for it Never. feels like years. He'll get moved, I feel like. You know, as a nice third center, second line center, maybe on an
1: injured team.
2: Yeah, I you know, and there's not a ton. I mean, there. Well, there is a ton you could say about this team. There's not really a ton of concern looking at their special teams. That I mean, the power play: Kachuk, Monahan, Goudreau, Lindholm, Anderson. That's you know nothing to sneeze at right there. Pretty that's pretty good. sick. Goaltending, Jacob Markstrom and Darth Vladar backing him up. I don't hate that at all. I think the big question there is how many games are you going to ask Vladar to play and can he handle it? So, right. uh, I'm going to have to agree with you guys. I do not see this team making the playoffs. uh, And pun intended, I think we could see a fire sale at the deadline.
1: I think it is worth noting. It is worth noting, and we'll get to this in a little bit. But with the Zabinajad extension in New York, The two teams that we just talked about are looked at as probably like two of the top four destinations for Jack
2: Eichel to land at. So that's something to keep an eye on here in the coming days. Could you imagine Battle of Alberta between McDavid and Eichel? Sick. That would be fun. That That would be be cool. Pierre Pierre Maguire's lying on his back just painting the ceiling right now. I
3: think Eichel could like fit in well in Calgary. I
1: actually could see that. Yeah. The only, I just hate the Western Canadian markets. You never get a lot of buzz on the, you know, big uh, national media channels. And I would never get up to stay up late enough to watch them. So I'm selfish in that regard. But um, we're going to move on to my favorite team that I win so much money on all the time. The Edmonton Oilers. Complete sarcasm if you're new here. Uh, coached by Dave Tippett entering his third season. Last season they went 35-19-2, and made it to the second round before they got absolutely swept to the Winnipeg Jets in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't even know what to say. I, I really don't. Um, you know, they bring Hyman in. I like it. They've obviously got two of arguably the three best players in the world on their team, so it's kind of hard to knock them on that. I think the back end is – good I think uh in terms of what they got in net it's probably my biggest question mark with Mike Smith I'm not so sure what to think Miko Koskinen as well he's shown glimpses of excellence but a little bit inconsistent here and there can he really fit into a number one role and earn it I don't know um I don't know guys I I they're gonna come in second I think but I just don't think they have what it takes to really make a serious push still I do really think
3: that this, I think make a great point. This goaltending tandem is such a coin flip. Like I could see Smith and Koskinen holding their own this year, being the backbone of this team and like propelling them to like a division title or something, or I could see them being a train wreck. And for the Oilers literally needing to like make a move by like the second month of the season, because it's such a disaster. Like I, I could see either one of those things happening.
2: For, I think the big thing to remember, if you're the Oilers or if you're the Leafs, you're not playing just the Canadian teams this year. And that helps the Oilers out a little bit because they're in the Pacific, which, let's be real, is not that strong. It screws the Leafs. I mean, it absolutely ruins them. Here, if you're the Oilers, Mac, I 100% agree this goaltending you know, duo is a coin flip. I mean, you could tell me one of them was starting at any point in the season. I'd be like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. But it just, you know, I think we're going to see a big, nearly a 50 50 split out of these two guys. And I don't know if that's going to help this team or hurt this team. I will say I love the top D pairing, Nurse and Barry. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's at least on paper, that's got to count for something. And hopefully that, you know, bringing in a guy like Duncan Keith helps. Uh, Keith and CeCe as your second pair makes me a little bit scared because if anyone's which CC forward, Well, if anyone's forwards can skate over 15 miles an hour, you're screwed.
1: (laughs) Well, and and it's like, you know, we saw CC in Pittsburgh last year. He had a great season. That's why he kind of earned his contract with the Oilers. But are you going to get the CC that you got in Pittsburgh or are you going to get the CC that you had prior to that? I mean, it really depends. And Duncan Keith ain't getting any younger. I mean, he's still a decent defenseman, so I'm not going to knock it. But we're all in all, I think we all agree that the goaltending is suspect. The decor is, eh, even though they've got Mac's favorite player, Slater Cuckoo.
3: I was just um, about to say that guy is going to propel this team to yeah, great yeah, heights. Right? I'm
2: sorry, Nor, Norris Trophy candidate Slater Cuckoo. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. What's
1: your? Here's yeah. what I'm going to say. And Max said it last episode, and I completely agree. Every great Stanley Cup team has a third line that can, you know, make a difference in a game. When you see this third line, do you think that it can get them into, like, you know, the third round of the playoffs at least?
3: No. Warren Fogle, Derek Ryan, Zach Cassian. I don't
1: see it.
2: Mac and I had the same answer. It was just with different words. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He spelled it out and you just said no so well,
3: I, just said I was no. just
2: i was just letting all the listeners know specifically who we're doubting right now. and it's like i like all of those players i just you know right now this what has this team's problem been for the last three years forward depth forward depth forward depth they just don't have the depth to support 97 and 29 they don't have the gut like the stuff to back them up so i remember right-
3: seeing a uh, a rumor too like at the beginning of like training camp that it was something along the lines of like kyle turris is gonna have to do some really spectacular shit at camp to make this team and here he is on the fourth line so like yeah. to me that tells me they're like they're like all right i guess this is the best we can do kyle turris fourth line like
2: yeah know. it just doesn't seem like a Brendan and forward for yeah like forward core bottom six doesn't inspire a ton of success devin shore like they're all just kind of like
1: huh. yeah i agree um I still say they finished second in the division. I think when we had Anthony on from Forever Blue Shirts, he said it perfectly. It's the Knights, and then it's the Oilers, and it's everybody else. And I think he was spot on when he said that, and that's exactly what I think will happen this year. So I think the Oilers are a playoff team. I think they can get to the second round. I don't really see them going much farther beyond that, to be honest with you. So
2: I see them um, sneaking in.
1: Well, if they give them second, it's not really – Sneaking, but yeah, I know what you mean. They're in a weak division. I'll call it
2: sneaking in because the point total is going to be way off. Honestly, looking at this division again, now I'm like, shit, the the Flames might make the playoffs just because who the fuck else is going
3: to, you know? like. Yeah. Wow. Uh,
1: Well, we're going to move on to the next team who I think could be a little bit of a sleeper to be a Stanley Cup uh, playoff contestant this year. We're going to move on to the LA Kings. You know how I said that the Wings were a fun team? The Kings give me fun team vibes. A lot of spoiler vibes here. Coached by Todd McClellan entering his third season. Last season, they went 21, 28, and 7 and finished 6th in the division and did not make the playoffs. You know, when you think of this team, there were some juicy offseason extensions. They extend their goalie, Cal Peterson, which I think is a great move. They still got Johnny Quick there backing him up. Kyle Pitar, I mean, he's still you know a really really good player. He's been on a shit team the last couple of seasons, but I don't really see his production trailing off much, especially if the Kings get some stuff going. I love the, how they got Victor Arvidsson and Philip Deneau. I think those are two guys
2: great that have moves. grit, grit, two skill. best moves of the off went to the same team, it, honey like, badgers. Yeah, honey badgers with skill yeah. like that. Brad Marsh not. I'm
1: uh, not comparing that, them to Brad. Moore that show, first
3: but. line of Arvidsson, Kopitar, Brown is I love that is a pretty ass line to play against, and who matches up well against them? Like nobody, because it, it's just a they just a thorn in your side kind of. Line. Yeah,
2: don't sleep on thirty four either on the on the third line. Our boy Artie Party Kaliev, saving the day from the World Juniors. I love yeah. him too cuz he he always looks like he's having
3: so much fun out there. He's like he's kind of got that OV thing where the guy just loves to score goals. Like it doesn't matter what how big the goal he's scoring is. Like it could literally make a game go from 3 to 1 to 4 to 1 or some shit like that. And he's just got the biggest smile on his face. He looks like he's having a great time. So that's a player that in my opinion is good for the game of
1: hockey. What do you guys know about this Kachev guy? I don't know much about him.
2: Vladimir Kachev, Anybody? yeah. I, you just said the only the two same. things I know about him. Yeah, yeah his name I, okay. and nationality. I yes. don't know.
3: I feel like I should know something about him, but I don't. I, I mean, we're the hockey analysts here, so I guess we got to do our research.
1: But... Yeah, I think I just exposed
2: us. But uh... <laughs> do you think? Do you think this is where Athanasiu like no. plants his roots and finds no. like a consistent role here? No, I. No. I there's
1: a lot of Athanasiu, whatever. At, I'll call him Double A. There's a lot of Double A hype. Wherever he goes, you know, he's electrifying. He's got speed. He has that, like, you know, nasty OV tape job and just burns guys. But that's all he does. I mean, and I know that's, like, maybe taking credit away from him. But, you know, when you get in the Stanley Cup playoffs and you're playing against, you know, big, tough teams, the Luciches, right, um, the Cassians, you got these big guys who are going in the corners. He's not the guy that I want there going in the corner. Um, so yeah. I don't really see him really – Doing much i think kempe is a great player um he's shown flashes of brilliance in the past they mm-hmm. haven't listed on the fourth line which i'm a little surprised about but
3: yeah he may end up moving up from there one thing i i think we need to talk about here though that you know they have some forwards that have some firepower we talked about their goaltending cal peterson and johnny quick that's not a bad tandem to have uh here's where they're going to run into some trouble is their defense let me just go through this for a quick second you have Drew Doughty, which like, yeah, great, great player, love it. But from here, it gets much worse. With Drew Doughty, we've got Mikey Anderson, then we've got Alex Edler and Sean Walker, and then we've got Tobias Bjornfot and Matt Roley or Matt Wah. I'm not
2: sure if it's like one of those, but I, we'll go. That, with that's the thing, right there, is the fact that you're not sure.
3: Yeah. Like, who are those last two guys, Tobias, Bjornfoot and Matt Wah?
1: Little research I did, and I don't know them either, so I don't want to act like I did. Bjornfoot and Anderson are two young guys on the team. So, you know, maybe not. I feel like when you hear those names sometimes, it's like AHLers who creep up at the age of 30 or something. You know, they are young guys. I think Edler's washed, to be perfectly frank with you. Um, their defense sucks
2: for lack of a better term, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, their prospect pool is so deep, but you kind of feel like a lot of them are forwards. You know, you have Turcotte, Kaliev, Velarde, Byfield, you know, Kempe, mm-hmm. all these guys. So it'll be interesting to see if they try and, you know, add some, you know, young guns to the defense core. But I think we can all agree that this team is not going to make the playoffs. I think, I think they can be
1: a fun team. Like I said about the wings, I think they can be a fun team, but I don't really trust the defense that much. Last thing I'll say, remember a couple of years ago when the Jets were going into the season, they had Josh Morsey and then everybody else was like, who the fuck are these guys? That's exactly how I feel about this on the back end. So I'll leave that's it a, at that. That's a
2: good way to put it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. They are plus 1,800 to win the division. Forgot to mention that. But we're going to move on to our next team, the San Jose Sharks, coached by – Bob, how do you say it? I always forget. Bugner. Bugner, not Bogner. Okay. Bugner going into his third season. Last season, they went 21, 28, and seven and finished seventh in the division. Big storyline right now in the NHL. What's going to happen with Thomas Hurdle? That's really been the name of the game for the Sharks so far. So not great drama to start it off here. I mean, what happened, you know, like I feel like when they got Carlson, everyone was like, holy shit, they're going to be a force to reckon with. And we've seen nothing but mediocrity
2: actually scratch that. We've seen nothing but like just atrociousness ever since then. The contract killed them. I mean, paying Burns and Carlson and at the time, you know, Thornton and Marlowe and it just, it wasn't, you know, a recipe for success. And, you know, it it sounds great to bring in that, you know, all-star video game player, but it does kill you down the road if you don't get it done right away.
1: Yeah. I see this team kind of, kind of being like sellouts at the deadline. I don't know. I'm not sold on either of the goaltending situations. I will say that Aiden Hill is all over this guy. I mean, he's like talking like about how he's going to be the next fucking, I don't know. Um, Vasilevsky or whatever, not not actually, but I'm paraphrasing there. But he's really big on him. I don't know much about him. I know he played in Arizona. I know he had some decent numbers and he got some starts. I guess he's got a lot to prove. Biz thinks he will. We'll see. Um, I like the additions of Benino and Cogliano. I think it kind of gives them a little more of like a a veteran chippy identity. Guys who have been there, done that, know how to win. But other than that, man, I mean. I am not a huge fan of what's going on here. I I, I don't know. I don't think the first if, line can carry you. If you thought
2: line. you didn't know any names on the Kings defense, go take a look at just the Sharks roster and tell me if you can name five players on it. Oh yeah, baby. Check this out. We, okay. First of all, <laughs> they've got Santeri
3: Hataka who doesn't appear to have a number yet. Like on daily face off, they have the front of his Jersey because I guess he hasn't, chosen a number or or played
2: in the nhl yet
3: right so they just don't even know and then we got redeem simek we've got you know eric carlson brent burns we've got mario ferraro which like uh, i mean that guy's
1: been bouncing around a little bit for the last couple years but vlasic's contract I feel like all I do is hear about that. That's not between Burns, yeah. Carlson, and Vlasic. Yeah. How much of that is tied up into their cap? I mean, it's crazy. all of
3: it bad. Yeah. yeah. And none of those guys are like top 15 D man any longer. They're, they're, strategy... I honestly still like Burns's game. Like, I, I, that is a yeah. D man who I got a lot of respect for. I think he's a great fantasy player. Um, he's good for prop bets too. Like, he almost always like gets a good, he scores a lot of empty net goals. So, like, yes get like bet him to score a goal and he might even cash power play in.
2: points too right exactly but yeah, i feel like the they Sharks just went general. with like they were like let's have a really really good right defense and then just forget the For left For real
3: yeah. burns carlson vlasic down the right side you're like oh sick and then ferraro hataka simek like was i just saying names right there or no yeah. i don't
1: I know, don't know. <laughs> I'm hip. It sounds like some type of like concrete like ingredient that like <laughs> it does, yeah. right. right?
3: Ferraro, Hataka, some Mac. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly, I don't have much more to say. I don't think this team is going to be very good, and I don't see them making the playoffs. Um, you know, who the Pacific division is really going to come down to. The Knights finishing first, the Oilers finishing second, and then that third team is going to be the other team to get into the playoffs. And then I think both wild cards in the West are going to go to the Central. So whoever that third Absolutely. place team is, that's that's really the name of the game. Um, if you guys are okay, I'd like to move on to the next team because I think they have a solid shot at being third. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, why not? The door is open for the Kraken um, simply because we don't know what we're going to get here. Um, it could be good. It could be bad. It could be somewhere in the middle. But like we're like we're talking about, I mean, the door is open. They've got the division uh, to benefit their chances here. They, they've got a lot of room to rise to the top. I could see them being a third place team. I could see, like, I don't know, it's it's not impossible for them to like go on a run and finish second. It's also not impossible for them to be like the worst team in the division. We have no clue what we're gonna get with this team. What do you guys think, though?
2: On paper, you could probably say this is one of the worst teams. In the league, I think if you look I'm gonna at, disagree with you. Like, I, I, I like I'm not saying like I'm not saying like Red Wings, Sabres, you I know, know Coyotes type deal, but like looking at their like the third line test, Mac, like looking at their third line, I go that could be any other NHL's teams, like fourth line, and I wouldn't even blink twice. And then I almost said the same thing about their second line too.
1: Well, keep yeah. in mind keep in mind the COVID is taking um, it's taken into account on this chart that we're looking is. at on face-off. So, I mean, I think McCann is going to have a monster year personally. And I, I, think I do too, because
2: I think he'll get a ton more ice time and I think he'll be playing with some decent players that- you guys said it. I mean, you nailed it. It's kind of a question mark. What's going to happen with these guys?
3: Wait, I just scrolled down to their injuries, and I didn't realize that they have Yanni Gord, Cali Yarncroke, and yeah. Jonas Donskoy.
1: Yeah, dude, they're they're like kind if those of...
3: three guys were in the lineup, which I don't know when those three guys are set to return, if at all, or what the deal is there. But if if you add those three guys in and replace like their their three like worst guys,
2: like probably then, yeah, then I'm it's I'm a totally you. different story. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. if you look at this lineup that they have now, where they're first line is schwartz wenberg eberly you go oof you know doesn't inspire a ton of goal scoring confidence
1: listen when this draft happened i was like what the fuck are they doing yeah everybody going into the year is like this is not going to be vegas and it won't be they're not going to go to the cup so don't get me wrong no but i legitimately think that this team could finish third in this division yeah and I, I, i i don't think that's too far off to say no i think i think they've I think they're deep. I really do. I Not like as in goal scoring, but they don't really have a slouch. Like, I think their fourth line is not that far off from their first line, which I'm not saying is a good or bad thing. It's yeah. probably a but bad it, it thing. But it kind of yeah. gives
2: you that, like, next man up vibe. Gives you that Islanders it,
1: vibe. Yeah, like, they, sure. they're deep. They don't have any slouches. They might not have a superstar, but I think that they can play a complete team game, something that Forever Blue Shirts loves to say, and I agree with them, complete team game. I think that they can make some noise this year. And honestly, if they get the goaltending, you don't know where they could go. Grubauer had a sick year last year. Played on so the did
3: Dringer. Yeah, yeah, they both so did. They've they, got a really good way to go. They, one,
2: they got goal. this role because of their performance last year. I don't know. I I I could see them going third. I really can't. I, I think so they're D, I think their D sucks though.
3: I actually like Adam <sighs> Larson a lot. I think he's got the potential to be a solid man, but I I don't love him as like your number one go-to defenseman. Like that's a little like, I guess Giordano is probably their, their stud back there, but like yeah, yeah
2: why does it look like they accidentally put the first defense pairing? Like, yeah, I'm not like in, just, in the, in the so wrong daily spot. Might, yeah.
3: They might not have that right, but either way, like Adam Larson, Carson Susie, that's not like that. I move. like the
2: Vince Dunn move. I do. I was
1: going to say people are sleeping. And honestly, the Lausanne move too. I am telling you, I, I, their defense, their defense, in my opinion, is better than Calgary's. I'm going to say it. I mean, Uh, I know that's a hot take with Hannafin and all those guys back there, but but I think you might be right.
2: Hannafin, you can go ahead and say, like, yeah, like you're good, but what have you done for me lately? Because ever since you left Carolina, you know, yeah, I mean, they've also got Jamie Alexiak. But he's out true.
1: Yeah, But he's out. I, I don't know, man. I don't listen. They're not going to make the Stanley cup. I think they're like a first round and out team, but I think a lot of people are under underestimating these guys. And if Ryan Donato can
2: just find his spot, he looked good for glimpses with Minnesota or like with can, his like first two there. weeks with the Bruins. He was one yeah. of the best players in the league.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I personally, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're going to finish third in the division. They're going to
2: make the playoffs. Interesting, right?
3: I would agree with you
2: ahead of the team. That's next up on the list. What do we
3: have? I'm sorry. Uh, Um, I think so. I think so.
2: Your boys from last season. This is where it gets interesting. Well,
3: actually, uh, yeah, I don't know. The next one,
1: the next team we have up is the Vancouver Canucks at plus 1600 to win the division coached by Travis green entering his fifth season last year. They went 23, 29 and four. Man, didn't even make the playoffs. Obviously, the big news they get the Hughes and Pedersen extension. They
3: also um, made a lot of like. This is a very different team than it was last year. They have a lot is. of guys that they did not have last year. Sort of like the Flyers. Like this is a team that missed and then was like, "All right, fuck this. We need to we need to do this way different <clears throat> next year." And they did not fuck around. They made a lot of moves. Uh, they bring Alex Chase on in. They bring Jason Dickinson. They bring. OEL. Uh, yep. They Connor ran. Garland. Yep. Justin Dowling. I don't think Luke Shen was there last year or Tucker Pullman or uh, Yaro Halak.
2: Correct. I am torn. Also, just remember real quick that Besser is on IR.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And I am torn because... So is Brandon Sutter.
1: I can't tell if they're going to like actually live up to their potential because I think that their top six is very good when you have Besser in there. I don't love Tanner Pearson on the second line, but when Besser's in there, that's a nasty top six. I'm, I'm going to say it.
3: I love Alex Chase on the top line with with Elias Pettersson and JT I Miller. I could not agree more. I think that is a great move. That they, guy is a sniper. He's fast as fuck. Like I, I have to use the F word there because
2: it's the only <laughs> way to describe how fast that man is. And, and if, if you think about it, it's kind too. of like, you know, his game is a little bit similar to Bethser's. You know, you talked yeah. about he's a, a big shot guy comes down the wing, pulls up, and lets it go. That's Alex Chase on to a T. He can, he can literally get the puck off his stick in
3: like half of a blink of an eye, like it's just gone and in the top corner before it's like an Alexander
1: Semen type shot, like it's just gone and in the top corner. So Demko, it's really what this is going to come down to because the reason I like the Kraken a lot. I'm a fan of that one two punch. I mean, if Krubauer is starting to slouch, Treger is perfectly capable of stepping right in. That's the one major advantage I think they have over the Canucks. I know Demco has played very well up to this point, but can he do it as a true number one for 82 games? Mm, I, don't I know. think
2: it's a question mark. It is a question mark, but I think with having a backup that's <laughs> as ready to jump in when called upon as Halak, I think he's going to be okay. I was going to say, I love Halak as a backup. He did a great job last year for, like, when um when
3: Rask was on and off IR and stuff. Anytime Halak went in, he shut it down. I think he had a couple of shutouts last year. Um, I remember him screwing up some overs for me because he just would not let the puck in, and it was really pissing me off. Um, no, I think he's the kind of guy that, like, still wants to kind of be a starter, even though he's, like, a little older now, like – he's going to battle and he's going to want to play. And yeah, I, I like having him behind Demco, but I agree with you, Harry. We don't know what we're going to get from Demco in a full season. Um, Do you guys inter-
1: think, Oh, I'm sorry, Mac. No, that's it. It'll be interesting. Do you think that who finishes higher in the standings, the Canucks or the Kraken? I think that's what this is coming down to.
2: I'm going to say the Kraken, but not by much. I'm going to say the Canucks right now, just because they have less people that are hurt and goaltending.
3: Okay. I'm going to say the Kraken, but not by much. I'm going to agree with you, Harry.
2: I like, like this could very easily be like a two point difference between these two teams. And Nick, I think you're taking a smarter and probably less risky
1: pick. The Kraken could fucking suck. I mean, I told you they're my first instinct. Or or they could
2: be second in the division. Who knows? Right. Exactly. Um, but for the sake
1: of time, we're going to move on to the next team clear cut favorites to win the division, the Vegas Golden Knights at minus 200 to win this year's division Coached by Pete DeBoer entering his third season last year, you know what happened they went to the semifinals lost to the Habs, they won the division or I'm sorry they were second in the division last year. <clears throat> Uh, obviously, the big storylines so far: the departure of marc Andre Fleury. It is now Robin Lehner's cage. He's going to have to prove that as a true number one for 82 games with Laurent Brassois well, backing him up. You know, it's a lot of pressure on Lehner here. Look at here, that so. French; that was good. Thank you. I've been working on it. I still can't say oui, "Cockamamie," oui. though. <laughs> um, boys, I don't. <clears throat> I don't think I need to say much here. These guys are a lot of people, Stanley Cup favorites, a lot of President's Trophy winning picks here. I mean, everybody kind of knows their lineup of how deep they went last year. Pachoretti, Stone, Marshall Carlson, Smith, Nolan Patrick comes over. Um, you know, you obviously have Petrangelo named the Team Canada already. Shay Theodore had a monster season last year. And Peyton pra- Krebs
3: showed signs of being a pretty yeah. dangerous player last and year. And he's healthy
1: now. That's mm-hmm. the and key. He's
3: healthy. Dadnov.
1: So, so forget saying if they're gonna make the playoffs. I think we can all agree that's gonna happen.
3: I will I would say probably- have one guy on their team that is falls into that who the hell is this guy category that we've been kind of laughing at this episode, and I just want to say his name real quick, and that is Pavel Dorofeyev
1: Nice. That was good. That was good. I, didn't, I didn't realize they had Dadnov now. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: love
2: that. Yeah.
3: That, what, what do you think about this third line? Peyton Krebs, mm-hmm. Nolan, Patrick, Evgeny Dadanov?
2: Oh Patrick's the I, I, Patrick's I smell the trouble. Wild card. That could yeah.
3: pass the test. Yeah.
2: I smell trouble there. But um I don't have a whole lot
1: to say. I think everybody knows what you're getting with this team. They're a Stanley Cup contender, they're up there with the Colorados, the Islanders, you know, the Leafs, some people throw out there, the Lightning. Um, they're right up there with the upper echelon of the of the NHL. So I mean, I guess I'm going to ask the question because this is really where we're going. It's cup or bust. Do you think they have what it takes to win a Stanley Cup? No, no. I don't either. And you want to know why? And I'm really not trying to be a homer here, but I just – I could see phone falling, falling off the face of the planet. And I hate to say that because I like him and I like that he's outspoken. But yeah.
2: if I we were going into last him. season, which was what, 56 games? Yeah. With Laner as the starter, I feel a lot better than I do about them going into the season for 82.
3: Yeah. Yeah, And he's had injuries too. And like, I don't know, I, it's been a minute since the Knights have not had two insanely good goalies. You know what I mean? Like I think that they're really going to feel Mark Andre Fleury's loss on back-to-backs when they've got Brassois. And I'm not saying he's a bad goaltender because he played more than fine in Winnipeg, but He's no Marc Andre Fleury and I he's no Robin Lehner either. I think that, you know, it's it's a big drop off having Robin Lehner and Laurent Prosois than it is having Marc Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner. And once again, that's not the knock ProSoie. It's just Marc Andre Fleury is Marc Andre Fleury.
1: And I think we pretty much covered it, right? Are they a cup contender? Yes. Will they win it? I think all three of us are agreeing no. And personally, as your financial advisor on this podcast, I would not take a division winner at minus 200. I don't think it's worth the value. I think you're much better off taking like the Oilers or the Canucks or the Kraken or somewhere in there. But realistically, yeah, this team should win the division. You
2: shouldn't take any future pick that's like minus 200. It's just not worth your time or your money. My question to you guys is let's look at the forward core for a second. Love the third line. Second line is solid. They've been together for Jesus. How long now? It feels like. I know. It's awesome. I love this. I love it. My question comes to you guys on the first line. You got guys on the wing. You got Pacioretty on the left that they brought in from Montreal. You got Stone on the right that they bring in from Ottawa. Chandler Stevenson as a first-line center in the NHL does not seem like a recipe for success to me. I love Chandler Stevenson. I think he's one of the nicest guys in the world. Obviously played a huge role in the Caps winning the Cup in 18 do you guys think they make a move for a more established number one center? Or do you think they try and ride out the season with him? I disagree, Gary. That's for all you Uncut Gems fans out there. But uh, I I disagree.
3: I, I think Almost Chandler back. Stevenson is actually going to emerge as one of the top centers in the league this year. And I am confident in saying that. I think that this is a dude who very quietly had an amazing season last year um he got top power play minutes he had great production numbers he was scoring like a couple points a week at minimum for a while he was like around a point a game maybe even slightly above that at one point um I think he's the kind of guy that has so much speed and he seems like he's got a good hockey IQ like he just seems like he's got a really good feel for like where his teammates are on the ice and like where he needs to be He's a great center because he plays the full length. You know, you see him making great plays in his own zone and in the offensive zone. And I actually think that he's going to hold up just fine for them. Um, I could see, like, this line kind of getting the same minutes as the second line. Like, I think their one and two lines are both more than – capable of being like first line one, a one B kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think of it that way, it's almost like Chandler Stevenson and William Carlson are sharing the role of like number one center on the team in a way. And I think that that is more than enough to be. I think you,
2: you make a great point about his hockey IQ and I couldn't agree with you there more. I think my question comes into, yeah, he did all those things last season. He was an awesome fantasy player. If you're a fantasy hockey player, I mean, this guy was absolute money. I am trying to see if I can trade for him already. Cause I want him on my team, but, <laughs> but can we do this for a full 82 now? Obviously 56 and 82 with an Olympic break are completely different animals. I think that's more where my questions lie with it. And I agree, Nick, I see what
1: you're saying. I think Vegas is weird. The way that they like um, structure their cap, they don't have a shit ton of money bought into like a star center, like a traditional, you know, successful team would. Um, that being said, I think Stevenson is capable of playing first-line center, especially with those two on his wing. I mean, that helps a lot. But, you know, I think he's like a 50- to 60-point guy, and that's fine. He doesn't have to be a 100-point first-line center. I think he's perfectly fine just how he is. I think he play, he plays well both ways, which I think is also really important, especially when you're playing with Mark Stone. Um, I think he'll be all right, and, you know, I don't think he's going to be the weakness in the
2: Vegas lineup, if you will. So, Certainly not a a weakness in there. What do you guys think in terms of this team's sort of window? Because I I feel like that's all we, you know, start to talk about that, you know, ever since they went to the cup final in the off season and the preseason, all you talk about is this team's window. Is that window closing? When is this, you know, season of doom with these contracts going to come down on top of them? I mean, we know they're going to have to make, you know, sacrifices in that regard how many more years do you give this team with this core
1: um i don't full fully transparent i don't know how
2: all the contracts
1: line up but when i look at the core of this team they're not like super old yet so i'd say they probably have another three years um again no idea what the contract situation is but i'd say like three years before you start saying all right maybe petro's getting you know, a, a more miles on his body can't log all those minutes. Pacioretty's got, you know, he's had some serious injuries in the past, and he's logged a lot of miles. Or someone but,
2: comes calling with an offer that you know, you yeah. can't refuse.
1: I like it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think maybe like three years. Mac, you agree?
2: Yeah, I, somewhere around there. I don't. Think I think anything over off. than three, yeah. and it's it's kind of over. Not that they won't be good, but that <laughs> this core won't be around. It won't look like the same team.
1: Well, I believe that wraps up our Pacific Division previews. If you're still with us, God bless your soul, because we are about to move on to the Central. Make it nice, quick, and easy for the first team. I'm going to let Nick take this one away.
2: Uh, yeah, this is going to be a not good hockey team. This year. Two let's minutes just... tops, please. Yeah, let's just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, Andre Turgny comes into his first season as the Yotes coach. They are plus 9,000 to win this division. That's all you need to know about them. They're big keys right now. Uh, they're emerging young core. We can take a look at their lineup and realize that they're going to actively try and insert young guys into this roster. And honestly, if they don't, I don't think they're going to be successful guys like Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, they're left left wing and center on the first line. They need to step up. They need to have good seasons. They're going to put a ton of emphasis on Lawson Krause and Barrett Hayton and Christian Fisher on their second line to see if those guys can produce scoring. Uh, Third line, Mac, Mr. Third Line Test, what do we think about this one? Uh, Hey, I love my man Jay Beagle. I think he's
3: still capable of being a third line center in the league. However, we have no idea what we're going to get with Dimitri Yaskin making his return to the NHL. Uh Christian Fitcher, yeah, he's a good player. I like what I've seen from him. This is not a third line that can, you know, win a Stanley Cup simply because this is not a team that can even make the playoffs. Uh, but it there's worse third lines in the league than this one, I think. Um I do like that their number three and number four centers are both former Washington Capitalism and you can't really go wrong there, so
1: their best off-season move was bringing back their white Kachina jerseys. Oh, they're I think good. 100%. Really, like, great. Yeah, they're, they're going to look,
3: look good. Great they'll, they'll be the best-looking team
2: on the ice yeah. all year.
3: And off the ice with their relaxed dress code now, too. True. Kind of yeah. cool to that was see. another yeah, they, good one. Yeah, yeah, that was good.
1: Other, other than that, falls. I mean, I, I do quick, think you to You, you, can, talk, is you can
2: talk about the defense, but, yes, Mac, you're exactly right. It's the goaltending. Who in the hell is Yosef Koronar? Yeah. <laughs>
1: It
3: uh, sounds yeah. like a meteor. That, I think like, that guy name. was yeah, for my
2: beer league team last week
3: or
1: something like that. Yeah. It's like something in the asteroid belt that they name or some shit like that. I don't know
3: what
2: that is. That's um, why Mac, that's why you guys won three, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had a shutout men's league. Yeah. Long story short with this team, you're going to get a great face off guy in Beagle. The question is, can Schmaltz and Hayton one stay healthy and two be enough down the middle for you? But I can already answer that. It's not all of their centers are third line centers. Absolutely. Literally all
3: four of them. (laughs) Nick Schmaltz, Johan Larson. Come on. Johan Larson is your second line center.
2: Come on. I'd almost rather have Travis Boyd up there. I think I would. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. I think we kept that around two minutes, Harry. But uh, these guys are plus 1,700 to win the division. And I'm going to go ahead and say this now. In terms of value, like – And like, could actually happen, pick this is probably the one to do it on. Do it, listen to me right now. Do it. They're winning this division. I swear to
3: God, I think that this team is about to wow people. And I might eat my words, they could even miss the playoffs. I like, I could be wrong, but I've got faith in the Blackhawks. I think I'm a huge flurry guy. I made sure to draft him in like, I want to say the second or third round, uh, the other night in fantasy. Um, I love rooting for him. I love. I have all the confidence in the world in Mark andre Fleury. I don't care if it's a change of scenery. I don't care if he's playing for a worse team now than he was the last couple of years. The defense in front of him is a little bit suspect. That is their probably their biggest weakness. But I think their forward core is sick. Kane, Tyler Johnson, and Alex Dabrinkit, that's awesome. Kubalik, Taves, and Khrushchev, I think that's going to be also pretty lethal. Kirby Dock is their third-line center. I love that. I think that is – that screams production from top down.
2: Uh, yeah, their defense is going to be the question mark for sure. Do not sleep on Henrik Borgstrom either. You want to ask someone about how good this kid is, go ask Tarek Hammond, former guest of the program. He played with him and won a national championship with him at Denver. This guy is awesome. Lights They're out – never got the look in Florida that I feel like he deserved comes over here. And this team made so many smart moves this off season. Tyler Johnson's now your number one center. I mean, where did that come from? They've also got hand and bagel. I mean,
3: Brandon Hagel. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I think uh, two things. One, if Taves stays healthy, this team can go places Two, back in little sus. Eh, it's okay. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's great.
2: They got Seth uh, Jones though. It's really Seth just the, it's the third pair that I'm worried about. I'm yeah.
1: a little. I, I sometimes worry about the second pair. I'll be honest too. Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy. I
2: guess we'll see. But you know who else I, they did get real quick while we're on defense is Seth Jones' brother, Caleb. That is right. who is still yeah. up and coming. But you got
1: Flower. I mean, I love that Vesna winner. Fresh off that uh, Vesna season. He can bail out uh, that decor a lot. Blackhawks are a dark horse, man. I think that they could make some noise. A lot of people are starting – like, I hate to say it, but you know how like we're all saying they're dark horses, they're underrated? Well, they're not really a dark horse if everyone's saying they're a dark horse, and now everyone's starting to say they're a dark horse. So they're going to be a trendy team this year. Um, In the past, Blackhawks' overs have always been – like a ritual of mine. I don't know if that's the same this year with flower there. I
2: think it's going to play really well, mark. but I think this team is going to be a playoff team. I do. It's definitely a question mark, but you could always just wait until games that they, you know, don't start him. I mean, there were a couple games in Vegas where we would jump on the Vegas over, but I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. I have a Although real darkness. Kevin Lankinen
3: and played pretty well last year too. I actually he did. did and i he think did. this is awesome for him to have a chance to be mentored by flurry for a year even if it is just for one year like that's only going to grow that kid's game as well so for sure
1: i think i think i've got a good dark horse that actually is a dark horse so
2: power play looks great taves johnson kane debrinkit and jones those guys can absolutely wire the puck also love the fact that i'm pretty sure kane jones and to brink it will all be on the Olympic team together this year. So that's wow, gotta be that's great. Really cool. Um, also, wanna take a look at the second power play unit here for a second Borgstrom, Doc, Kurashev, Mitchell, and Kubelik. Do not sleep on that. I don't hate that at all. Yeah, there's a lot of snipers on that unit. For sure. Let's go ahead and move on to the favorite without question for this division, and that is gonna be the Colorado Avalanche. They finished last season first in the Honda West division, ended up losing to the golden Knights in the Stanley cup playoffs in the second round. Guys, what are your first impressions with this team? Because people have been saying a lot of stuff about this team from forward depth to defense, to goaltending, you know, what, what do you think of when you, when you hear Colorado avalanche this season? Overhyped.
1: Ooh, I don't know about all that, but they're hyped. They're very hyped. Are they overhyped? I mean, they're definitely a top three team in the league, I would say. I don't Mac, maybe you feel differently. I think it's Tampa, Colorado, and could kind of pick your third, but um Vegas. They gotta yeah, I mean, I think Colorado's gotta be in there. Um, but they're stacked, dude. Um, and now that I'm saying that maybe they're not overhyped, I'm about to say something that's incredibly overhyped. So I guess that's ironic. But they strike me as a team who could maybe break like that Tampa
2: points record
1: regular season. Like they're that good. Um, it's
2: going to come down to that. I mean, that question is going to be answered with defense and goaltending. I think. Yes. I, know, I think can we, Kemper. Can we talk Kemper. about their
3: forward depth for some for a second? Like, am I missing something? Cause please look at their third and fourth lines.
1: I like their third and fourth lines, to be honest. Alex
3: Newhook, Tyson Yost, and New- Sampo
2: Ranta. Newhook and Yost, they can play, man. They're, they can. They're really good. I don't I know think much about Ranta, but Newhook th- is nasty. Colorado's big problem with Tyson Yost is that they, like, instantly, they were like, here comes this sick stud out of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Let's slap him on the first or second line instantly all night. And it just hasn't worked. I think he'll find his game here this season. I know he's been up and down, in and out, that kind of thing, but – don't forget and McKinnon's missing from this list. He is missing I mean, from this fair. list. That yeah. is fair. So um, I think with with this, you can kind of just assume that Ranta would bow out in this situation. And, like, Berkey would be on the third line or, like, Nik- Nikushkin maybe. would. If be. I remember correctly, they've always had Berkey on, like, the second line. Yeah. he I, Honestly, he's, like, one of
3: the biggest pieces on this team for sure. He is. He is. And I,
2: I love Darren Helm on there. I think that's a great
1: veteran grit son of a bitch to play against. Good penalty killer, block shots.
2: It replaces the speed they lost when they lost Alex Kerfoot.
1: Yes. The defense. We have yeah. to chat. Yeah. They arguably have the best defenseman in the NHL, at least from an offensive perspective. I think McCarr is surefire going to be leading the league amongst defensemen in points this year. He's going to be a monster. Jack Johnson, though, why? Why? Like, what was the purpose of that? I keep reading all these Twitter comments like, dude, what is wrong with you? Granted, he might not start. This doesn't show Devon Taves in the lineup, and he's huge for them. So He's hurt right now, I believe. He's he's hurt, but that defense is... Loaded. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm gonna throw
2: that word out there. They are fucking loaded. So
3: hard McCar,
2: Byram, Eric Johnson, Ryan Murray. I think Murray's about to have a, like a like a bust out year, and I say and, bust out with all intentions of what that word means. <laughs> and
1: I think Taves, when he comes back in lineup, he's obviously one of the best skaters in the league on the back end. So, yeah, man. This team's sick. They're the odds on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. They're minus 250 to win the central division. Again, financial advisor. Not actually. Um, you're not gonna put money on a minus 250 to win a division. So stay clear of that. I guess my question to you, Nick are they your Stanley Cup pick? No. Okay. I picked them. I I feel like I don't need to ask you. I think you've made I don't
2: I don't think they are. I no. And I think for the last two seasons, at least at the beginning, they have been for me. I -hmm. could be getting that wrong. I know they were two years ago. You're just tired of it now. I I still have questions, man. I do. And I I said this about the Leafs, and I'm going to say this about the abs right now with a little bit more difference in my mind, but this team gives me early Washington Capitals vibes. It gives me 2010 caps. Bowing yeah. out against the Habs vibes, where it's like you look at it on paper and you're like, oh my God, this team is so loaded. You know, Ovechkin, yeah. Backstrom, Semen, Green, like Johansson. Like, I mean, right, all these guys. Right, right. I don't know. There's just something that I don't, that doesn't inspire confidence to me from this team. Third round, say, third round playoff team, without question. I, I think that their exit from the postseason this past playoffs
3: it made me feel like they were really close. You know, like it was the kind of like really good effort still lose kind of things where it's like, okay,
2: they're close for sure. And I think you could say that about their last two exits.
3: Yeah. Like you've, you've sensed the frustration for sure. I mean, what was it? Uh Was it McKinnon saying like, what do I have to do? Like, what? yeah. Like, He's frustrated, I get it. Cuz what
2: like, else does he have to do?
3: Yeah, and you know, I I get it. So I think they're close and like yeah, they very well could win the Stanley Cup this year, but I just have a feeling that they won't. If that makes sense. I don't know. Just a yeah, gut.
2: No, yeah, I got your gut. Let's uh let's move on to the next team righty. So up next we have the Dallas stars, a team that the abs have run into in the playoffs a couple times. Recently, Rick Monas comes into his third season. Last season, this team finished fifth in the discover central division and did not qualify for the Stanley cup playoffs after making it to the cup final the year before. I love Rick bonus. Awesome coach, guy. Awesome guy. Awesome name. I I'm rooting
3: for him for sure. Um, their goaltending is cool, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if it'll be, like, one of the top tandems in the league, but I kind of like I like it going into the year. I have faith in Anton and Hudobin, and I have faith in Holpe to bounce back. I just don't think that Vancouver was right for him for whatever reason. I don't know that Dallas will be right for him either. Um, I don't know why I thought he would, like, take to it like a duck
2: to water, but
3: it it's it's a toss-up i like the decor playing in front of him probably equally as i did in vancouver like neither one of them is really super impressive um i don't know the stars are a weird team like they're they're, they're kind of like that like kitchen sink team you know what i mean like they're they're like you, you want to make a smoothie but you only have like one banana like a handful of like raspberries and like an apple and you're like that's not really what's it's supposed to go like your smoothie.
2: fridge in college it's like what can yeah. i make today out of like one piece exactly. of bread and a piece like, of okay, cheese and a i beer. guess this
3: is a team you yeah know? like i guess this is a meal
2: type of thing <laughs> we we um, are a team <laughs>
3: yeah but i don't know like they they could be good i third line test is suspect michael Roffel, radic fox uh, dennis garyanov but like also all three of those guys have like been pretty darn good at points in their careers so i don't know this is a this team is a big question mark in my opinion which i feel like i keep copping out and saying like shit could go either way or whatever but this is definitely one of those that
2: i'm like i don't know what the future holds for this team It is it. And I I like Gurianov on the third line. I think he could probably go somewhere else and realistically be a second liner. I think, you know, you look at the defense on this team, you have Lindell and Heiskanen on the first pair Suter and Klingberg on the second pair. I think that's going to be one of the better second pairings out there in the league. Those guys are so smart. They move the puck so well. D to D passes between those two are going to be essentially, you know, perfect the entire time. The question mark comes with that third defensive pair. That's something that I have a question about. And then, you know, these guys technically have like four starting goaltenders when Ben Bishop comes back. So, you know, it's just a question of what they, you know, what they do with that. And then I think Jason Robertson right now is day to day. That would be a huge loss for that team after the season he had last year.
1: This team is interesting. I think Sagan's health is going to play a huge role Um, to me when I look at this division, I think, okay, Colorado sold. Um, I'm pretty much sold on Chicago. I think there'll be a playoff team. I think they have the pieces. And then after those two, it gets interesting. You've got St. Louis who we'll get to kind of the same breath as Dallas. In my opinion, they're kind of the same culture vibe build up, whatever you want to say. I probably didn't use English there, but whatever. Um, and then one team that I'm pretty big on and that we'll get to is the Jets. And the question is, you know, how do those three teams battle against each other? Because Nashville, you know how Nashville is, they're not gonna suck. Even if they finish, let's say they finish last in the division. That difference
2: between last and third will be like six points. So it's they're, all an- about how they- they're annoying enough to hang around. Yeah. They'll so win like- games against teams that are better than them for sure. So it's
1: like, how do these teams fare up against each other? And I guess if Dallas is fully healthy and they get goaltending from some of their, you know, uh, what's the one-time wonders. I don't want to use that word, but guys from the past, they can make it places, not one-time wonders. That wasn't the word, but guys who are kind of on guys the who have,
2: you know, gotten a little bit cool over the last two or three seasons. They're on the 14th hole sure, and they're about Great to, way to on put the 15th. it.
1: Yes. So um, I don't think Dallas is a playoff team personally. I think that they've made some good news. I love the suitor move, Nick. I like what you said about crisp D to D passes the entire time, but I just don't I don't I don't see it. I think that there's better teams right now, and I hate to say it and I don't want to see it happen, but I haven't seen Sagan stay healthy for a long time. So I'm gonna have and to And that's end up the big key.
2: On. And I feel like that's been the story of the Dallas stars since we were talking about Brendan Morrow being on that team. It's like you, you gotta stay healthy. I mean, these guys deal with a ton of injuries every year. It's so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I yeah Well go ahead and finish up. I was gonna say I can see him in, I could see him out. Who knows?
3: Yeah I I just wanted to add you talk about a guy who's teeing off on the fifteenth hole. How about Jamie Ben? I mean in my opinion that guy yeah. is getting he's old. got some
1: miles too.
3: Yeah I you know I I don't want to take too much away from him because he's definitely been you know the guy he's the captain of the team and
2: everything
1: but he's
3: None not a like... art
2: ross when we were in like middle school right i think so yeah, yeah it was yeah. my
1: it, it was yeah no i was in high school i think it was like 2013 okay. i think it was the year that the the lockout where the blackhawks won the, the
2: shortened season
1: yeah okay but
3: he's kind of like his style of play is kind of like ovechkin light you know what i mean like he it's like he's a big rig forward that will hit you and also score really nice goals. Yeah, um, but it's like nothing... it's like
2: Rick Nash and Ovi had a baby.
3: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's very comparable to like a Rick Nash kind of like yeah. No, but he's just not quite as like
2: yeah. I, I'm not
1: even
2: Eric Lindros kind of play. Like what we, we were saying about Mantha, big guy can skate and has nasty hands. But I forgot alive.
1: about Minnie, by no, the so way. He's kind of falling, falling off. Too. Yeah. I forgot about many when I was going through my list, who, by the way, is the next team. And is, I,
2: I have no idea. I, I'm so lost on
3: this. God, if we keep copping out, we're like, <laughs> I don't
2: know what the hell these teams are going to do. Don't ask us. Speaking of the Wild, they come in at a plus 650 to win the division, coached by Dean Evason in his third season, which I absolutely love. I think he should stay as their coach for like the next 10 years. Yep. Uh, last season, they were third in the West and lost to the Golden Knights in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs big talking point for this team in the offseason was get Kaprizov resigned. They finally did. He's there. He's staying. Everyone in Minnesota can breathe. They also shed the two biggest things holding them back from being a, success, a successful hockey team, which was the Parise contract and the Suter contract. I know Harry, you said you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with this team. I look up and down this roster and I don't have a ton of confidence in it and then there's so i'm not alone and then there's that part of me that goes if they get hot look out they could do what they did last year i've i
1: get i get montreal vibes when i look at this lineup bunch of guys who when you put it together work well as a unit they can do it and i'm not putting them in the same breath but when Montreal got Cole Caulfield, it brought that pizzazz, that, that star-studded skill that they kind of needed. I'm not saying he's as good as Kaprizov because we haven't seen Cole in an 82-game season yet, but that's kind of what I'm seeing here is they got that one stud forward that's really, really good, and the rest of the team, you know, I, like I, I just not sold with Ryan Hartman as a second-line center. I'm sorry. I can't really buy that. I'm, I'm not picking that up, so – I think the back end with Spurgeon and Dumba and Merrill and Brody and Golagoski, it's actually pretty good. I think the back that, end's pretty I solid. I mean,
2: that top D pair with Golgoski mm-hmm. and Spurgeon, I mean, look out because that's where the offense on that first unit is coming from.
3: If John Merrill rocks the
1: mullet this year,
3: they make the playoffs. If he doesn't, <laughs> then they don't. It's that simple. I mean Amen.
1: I, I don't know. I think the back end's good. And usually with back ends that are good, you're gonna see teams go deep, but man, I just think they're weak on offense and I'm going to be flat out. And I, I, I could be wrong. I kind of hope I'm wrong because I like many and I think their fans deserve better than what they've gotten, but I don't know. I don't see them I, really doing much.
3: I think I understand look, the concern for like, yeah, this team could be good. They could be bad. But I think when, when it boils down to it, I can see three, I can name three teams in their division that I think will definitely finish above them.
2: Let's put it that way. That's a good way to put it. Um, Harry, I totally agree with your point that, you know, center depth is a question here. You know, Erickson Eck, Hartman, Goudreau, Sturm down the middle doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. I know Erickson Eck had a monster year last year and was one of my best fantasy pickups for sure. Hartman, I can see is passable on the second line. I don't know if I'm like not ready to write him off yet, but I would look at this team to make a move at the deadline. They get one or two more pieces in here and you can start to talk about them making some noise, whether that's a second line center or a, you know, another defenseman or something. uh, I, I could see something happen. And don't forget that Matt Boldy is day to day and he could be inserted into this lineup.
1: I just want to say, unrelated, I have the game on on my phone. And ESPN hockey in five seconds is so much cooler than NBC. It's not even funny. So just want to put that out there. Um, And Jari's new pads look awesome. And I'm excited. I'm, like, really giddy right now, so I apologize. But thank you.
2: I'm sorry, I, I had to express I, I, that. I ask, but yeah, <laughs> good no, for you, kidding. buddy. Good for you. Yeah,
1: no, sorry, yeah. I just got really giddy when what, I saw uh, what, what time happening.
2: does the blog come out tonight? That's all I want to know. Ah, if he gives up more <laughs> than three goals, he was twenty-five
1: and nine last year. People act like this guy stinks. I can't wait for him to prove everybody wrong. Anyways, let's get to Nashville.
2: Um, I think Minnesota makes the playoffs just on their fourth line right winger alone. But yeah, let's move on to Nashville real quick. Uh, Moving on to the Preds, John Hines comes in in his third season. They were fourth in the central and lost to Carolina in the first round of last year's crazy ass Stanley cup playoffs. I've said one thing about this team for the last five years, and that has been center depth. They have yet to address the number one center who I've expressed my frustrations with. You've been on him since the fucking demo episode. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the right fit. No, I don't either. Um, I'll let you go on your t- thing second line center, third line center. Sure. Why not? I don't know why they continue to put Ryan Johansson as their first line center. I love the Cody glass move on the third line coming over from Vegas. I think that was a great move for them. This is a young and up and coming player that, you know, the Knights just couldn't really keep their hands on because of their contract issues. And they had to let him walk that third line test, Mac, Nick cousins. I like that. And then Philip Tomasino, that's a young guy that could, you know, insert a ton of spark into that lineup. But as with young guys, we just don't know. So it'll be a, a big question mark there. Where do you guys see this team ending up? Do you see them sneaking into the playoffs? I feel like that would be so typical of them, but let's not forget that no Pecorine this time around.
3: Yeah, I think they definitely could sneak in. Um, much like the Wild, I think I can name three teams in their division that I am confident will finish above them. Um, however, I think this is going to be a great team to bet the under on this year. They've got UC Saros, who loves letting in like one or zero goals. Um, big save Dave Riddich is now their backup, which he, you know, he's showed signs of being able to hold it down as well. But I like their D too. I mean, they got Roman Yossi, they got Dante Fabro, they got Matias Ekholm. Uh, now they have Phillip Myers. Uh, Alexander Carrier is not a terrible like sixth guy. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that they'll be a good under team at, at the very least.
1: For me, you know, we saw last year Chicago get kind of hot near the, the end there. And I think if they had Taves and, you know, obviously I think they've upgraded with getting Jones and Flurry this off season, I think, Chicago strikes me as the team is going to take that playoff spot from them. I think exactly. You know, yep. That's the, exactly what I'm thinking. Like, I think Chicago slides in instead of these guys just based off the offseason moves they made. I don't think that uh, Nashville really got any better. They're still going to be a pesky team. I like your under observation. In my opinion, they will not be a playoff team because I think Chicago is going to overtake that spot. So, and many, again, many. St. Louis and Nashville in my head I'm like what the fuck is different other than like the size of yeah. your fingernail like when you're comparing no, humans <laughs> like so what true. is going on
3: It's so <laughs> true like one of those teams will probably make the playoffs I don't know if
2: more than one of them will
3: Right but exactly one,
2: but like one of those three will Yeah right and yeah. pick
1: your pick your poison I don't I don't know to be honest with you but yeah, Mac, I'm going to agree with a lot of your assessments, and I'm just going to say I don't think they're a playoff team simply because I think Chicago is going to be better.
2: I think St. Louis might be better too. Did you guys touch on Ellis at all? Sorry, I had to be. But... Le- we we mentioned he left. but yeah. How much of a hole do you think that puts on their back end? I, I was mean,
3: going I, through yeah. it saying that I actually think their D is pretty sound. I mean, it's definitely – you're definitely going to notice a guy like that being gone, but, um, yeah, I was just saying that – I think between UC Saros and Goal for for most of their games, and you still got Ekholm, you
2: still got Yossi. I I think their D is like relatively sound. And I think, you know, yeah, you give up Ellis, but you get a guy like Philippe Myers in there. And while you might sacrifice a little bit of Ellis's playmaking ability, you gain a ton of size and youth with Philippe Myers. And I think that is going to help them a lot going forward. I have a little bit of a question mark with that third D pairing, but uh, I think we'll see how that goes. Do you think they're a playoff team? They're so typical with just finding their way to weasel into the playoffs lately. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. I like I I like your trend. I think like I honestly I could see them being a wild card team and getting in, just sort of hanging around and hanging around. If they get
3: in, I think it'll definitely be wild card. Yeah,
2: yeah. All right, right, let's move on to St. Louis. Uh, These guys come in at a plus 1100 to win this division. Craig Berube, Chief, comes into his fourth season. Last year, these guys were fourth in the Honda West division and lost to the Avs in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Guys, give me one word off the top of your heads to describe this Blues team.
1: Um, Interesting. Is that... Okay. I mean that's not much of a take.
2: It is a word, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess that works. It's a good word. It's like over 8 letters, I think or something. It is, so, yeah. It's good According
2: to math, right?
1: Yes. I
3: Mac. I don't wanna use this word, but I'm actually going to say deep. Ooh. Okay. And I'm, I'm I'm willing to defend that. I think that looking at the 12 forwards listed on daily Faceoff. i actually think that they're pretty deep like based on forward core alone um i mean let's do the third line test here james the real deal neil robert thomas and vlad tarasenko whether or not that'll still be their third line at the end of the year is a big question mark but right now i kind of really fucking like
2: that as a third line my word was going to be sneaky. Look at this forward core, man. I mean, that, yeah. second, that second line, Kairou, Shen, and Bucinavich. That's uh, excellent. You guys are kind of selling me. You guys are kind of selling me. I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. And love the addition of first line, left wing, Brandon side. Not only is it a giant FU to Blackhawks fans, but it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I think that is a great fit on an already pretty gritty first line.
3: And guess what? David Perron scores 20 goals all the time. Like he Money. he's he's such a consistent player and I've got him on my fantasy team because he always like is on other people's teams and like fucks me and then finally I was like, "You know what? I'm going to be that guy this year. I'm drafting this guy
1: and I'm not going to regret it." I like the back end too. Um, you know, I think you guys are selling me. Usually when I come in with takes, I come in hot and sometimes I can sell you guys. I'm pretty stubborn in that aspect, but you guys are selling me on this, and I think the Blues could be a very good underdog team this year on the money lines, just straight up. Look at their power play units. The first one is Shen, O'Reilly,
3: Perron, and then Krug and Tarasenko. And then their second unit is Bucinavicius, Robert, Thomas, Brandon Saad, Justin Falk, and Jordan Kyrou. My one question for this team is goaltending because I don't, I don't really have a ton of confidence in Bennington. Like I don't know.
2: I don't he's know. Streaky. I, he's streaky. He's streaky. Yeah,
3: I think that he's like. He's
2: not the Bennington he was in 19. Let's be real. Last season looked off his game, I think, I, to be generous. But I would want them to have
3: somebody other than Husso to turn to when Bennington goes on his inevitable, like, cold streak, you know?
1: Two X factors for me. One real deal, Neil. Not expecting much, but if you can get 15 goals out of him, yeah. I hesitate to say 20, but you get him in that 15 range. That's 15's pretty a solid. good number. Yeah. I think 15's 15 20. solid. Jordan Cairo, big year for the boy. I think he's going to have to have a monster year for them to make a lot of noise. I yeah. think he's going to, he's probably the biggest X factor on the team. Yeah.
2: Me. I don't disagree, um, especially if he's getting second line minutes. I also think that third D pairing could be called into question but i think if they definitely you know if they play steady Eddie kind of hockey and just shut it down like the blues like to do i think they'll be okay
1: i'm a bortuzzo fan uh bias but yeah i like bortuzzo yeah uh,
2: uh playoffs
1: you guys might have sold me i think out of that nashville mini i got to go yeah i think i'm going to say, say yeah. yes
3: i think over nashville and over mini this team comes in as the wild card for me it's going to be um Colorado, Chicago, and Winnipeg in some order as the top three. And then I think this team sneaks in whether or not the other wild card will be in this division. I think there's a pretty good chance it will. Um, But yeah, based on that, I think this team is one of the wild card teams. That's my prediction for the blues.
2: Yep. I'd have to agree with you. All right, let's finish off with the last team in this division. That's the Winnipeg Jets. They come in at a plus 1300 to win this division outright Paul Maurice comes into his ninth season behind the bench, which I I think he's one of one, the funniest guys in the league, but two, I think he's one of the better coaches in the league. Uh, Last season, these guys were third in the Scotia North division and lost to Montreal in the second round. Uh, If you don't remember, that was a sweep for the Habs. Looking at this team on paper, I know Harry, you said you were super high on these guys. I'm interested to hear why.
1: Uh, They are my dark horse. They are, The equivalent of Max. Mac, you called the Blackhawks as a dark horse in the midst of the offseason when they were making moves. So I credit you with that. You didn't hop on the bandwagon like a lot of people are doing. But I like the Jets, and I'll tell you why. I look at this team, and I think they have great winger depth, something you don't hear a lot of. But there's no slouches on this team, in my opinion. And the back end got improved dramatically. I said it earlier. I can't remember who the team was um, that we were talking about, but I compared them to Winnipeg with that one ace defenseman. And then the rest of the teams, you're like, who the fuck is that? Was that well, Calgary? That's no- yes. That's no longer the case here. I mean, they got Nate Schmidt, who I think is can be a great asset to a team like he was in Vegas. And then after, like, it just kind of fell off the wheels after that whole, like, steroid scandal thing happened but never actually happened. I don't know. I think he's going to be great. Morrissey, you know what you're getting. Love Brendan Dillon. I know you guys do too big physical son of a bitch to play against by the way yacht lender got his first caps jersey and he bought a brendan Dillon jersey don't ask me why unrelated (laughs) makes no sense to me but whatever
3: like he Uh, just did that
1: like he just did it. he literally just picked it up he's a moron but you can find him at the boat show on the 14th so kudos to him i guess Um, Uh, look for look for the guy in a brendan dylan
2: jersey while we're
3: still talking about dylan i just want to throw in i think this is such a good fit for him like his style of hockey and the winnipeg jets style of hockey is like the same thing in my opinion. They play that big physical game and he's gonna fit in great there. Anyway, continue, Harry.
1: I like what I see it, saw out it, of Neil Pionk last offseason. Last two, Dylan DeMello, Logan Stanley, young guys. Gotta prove it, right? We'll see. I don't Isn't know.
3: Stanley a, another big boy. Isn't that dude like yeah, he over is. six foot and like two ten or something like that? Yeah. yeah, they're
1: they're a heavy team. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're big guys. So I I like that. I like the um the big builds in the playoffs especially up front. And then they've got a diehard fan base too. They do. But my big, big reasoning for why this team is going to be really good is the goaltending. I would say Hellebook is a top three goaltender in the NHL. He's probably top two right after Vasilevsky is right there. I think John Gibson could be there if he was on a good
2: team, but I love what Hellebook um, There's your one the two punch for Team USA right there is going to be Hellebuck and Gibson. So, yeah. It, yeah, I love the goaltending. I think
1: that they've made some good moves on the back end to, you know, take some pressure off how many minutes Morrissey was logging. And they're big up front. Yanis Harkins had, he, he played really well last year. I mean, maybe not, you know, his numbers aren't going to wow you, but it's like, okay, like if I watched enough Winnipeg Jets games, probably because they swept the fucking uh, Oilers, but. He was lights out in that series. He was throwing his body around. He was on the forecheck. I liked what I saw out of him. Andrew Cop, good player. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. He's gonna have to
2: do a little more than he did in the playoffs. I didn't really see a whole lot out of him. And, you know, I I honestly, I don't. I don't blame him all that much because he came over in the middle of a shortened, you know, yeah. pandemic-riddled season, and then and had, had stuff. he had moments of looking himself like on the team. And, like
3: he had some superstar moments. Let's actually.
2: not forget that he had to sit out for two weeks doing nothing before he yeah. can go back to skating i mean trying to do that in the middle of the season very i, I fair, couldn't do that harry fair. you made a you made a point earlier about this team saying you or you know you think they have wing depth and i completely agree with you i'd like to talk about their center depth okay safely debloah lowry as your one two three punch down the middle i love that i think most teams would take that you know well, without question too, right yeah true he can play center as well.
3: Yeah. Wait, what the fuck? Why? Um... Well, Shifley's not in there because he's suspended still. Of Correct. Because that, that shit. Correct. In the fucking. Uh... I
1: was looking at this. I was like, why isn't he there? I know Stassi's not there. Yeah. First. Yes. LOL, no, yes. They are yeah. deep.
3: Because of this, <laughs> the playoff thing. Yeah, they are. Like, but dude, when they, they get him deep. back,
2: what, three games yeah. into the year or something yeah. like that? They're deep and they're big. They're this deep and they're dangerous. Big. I like and it, I don't but... hate Riley Nash as a fourth line center either. No, I know and... we were saying
3: uh, that, you know, it's a good value to take the Hawks to win this division. And, you know, obviously it's pretty good chance the avalanche are going to win the division but if you want to sprinkle a little bit of money on the hawks and on the winnipeg jets to win this division i think that's a great idea
2: tend that's, to win 130 why would you not yep exactly and, and then guy, hedge it three other ways right
1: and then a guy who's had a great uh camp preseason dealers and i know you guys have been saying it in the group chat but he Ehlers was dirty good.
2: fantasy last year too he he's good. he's primed to go off this year with if he stays healthy with the speed which by the way i don't know if you guys have like seen him skate but he's like a hair or two behind mcdavid he's with with the speed and the hands and the shot i think i think we've got ourselves a real weapon there i'm choosing the jets as my dark horse so all right well i i gotta ask you who wins this division
1: Uh, i mean i you'd be probably stupid not to say colorado but from a gambling perspective i like the jets
2: yeah, I could not agree more.
1: I was saying the Blackhawks,
3: but honestly, I think I might have sold myself on the Jets this episode. I I actually wow. really like them as a pick to uh, to win the division. But yeah, I mean, still a high
2: chance the Aves hold it out and do it. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps it up for a division preview. Thank you to anyone that stuck with us through that uh, hockey nerds, but okay. Uh, let's quickly recap some signings. Uh, we mentioned that uh, the real deal signed a one-year ticket with the blues. Jack Johnson signed a one-year ticket in Colorado. The Rangers re-ups a on an eight-year deal with an AAV of eight and a half million. Alexander Barkov re-ups in Florida on an eight-year deal at 10 million per Tyler Ennis gets a one-year ticket in Ottawa at 900K. Galchenyuk signs a one-year deal in Arizona after his PTO, Uh, and then uh, Tampa Bay has rewarded their head coach John Cooper with a three-year contract extension through the 2024-2025 season. Montreal, this came over the wire about five hours ago. They inked Nick Suzuki to an eight-year deal with an AAV of 7.8 million. Harry, did you see what he said? No. You see his quote?
1: No. I'm Okay. I could be dumb, and there's a very real possibility that this was a meme account and I just saw, it, but I'm pretty sure it was on Puck Empire, so I'm not, like, fucking around here. He said it was, like, uh, when he was negotiating, it was like, it was, like, putting GM mode on easy, and I could get whatever I wanted. Is that a
2: real quote? Please look that up for me. Please find it and tell me if, because there is a fake Puck Empire account out there. And it's like one letter is out of order. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like puck M Pre or something like that. They're hysterical and they do stuff um, like that all the time. So I want to know I'm if it's gonna, them.
1: I'm going to feel so dumb.
2: Uh, while you're looking Chicago re-signed Eric Gustafson. They brought him back on a one-year deal at 800 K. I love that move. I do not give up on that player. I think he's a stud. Agree. Uh, real quick, we had a trade. Vancouver sent Oli Yolevi to Florida Fake. in exchange. <laughs> I knew it. Yep. So, oh. whoops.
1: I prefaced my statement. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Awesome. You could barely believe it when you're saying it. You're like, but did he actually
2: say that? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. A little high on that, though, in my opinion, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Vancouver sends Oli Yolevi to Florida in exchange for Noah <laughs> Juleson and Yuho Lamico. Uh, Some big injury updates to get to real quick before we wrap up. Colin White is going to miss four to six months for the Senators following a surgery on a dislocated shoulder. I feel so bad for this guy. I feel like ever since he got drafted, he's been battling, you know, major injury after major injury. Uh, Quinton Byfield is out indefinitely for the LA Kings with a fractured ankle. We talked about that a little bit earlier. That's going to hurt them a lot. Uh, Canucks forward Brandon Sutter is sidelined for the foreseeable future as he deals with the effects of long-term COVID-19 symptoms that comes from GM Jim Benning. He announced that on Monday, Washington Capitol center Nick Backstrom is going to begin this season on long-term IR. If you listened last episode, you know that's what Mac and I wanted to start the season. Uh, He continues to recover from an off season hip injury. Uh, This means that Backstrom's going to miss at least the first 10 games of the year, and he is eligible to return to the lineup on November 6th. Max, thoughts here?
3: Yeah, I think we got two pieces of good Nick Backstrom news today, which is partially why I'm rocking the Nick Backstrom reverse retro right now. But uh, like you said, we got the news that he's going to go on long-term IR, and I say that's good news just because I think it frees up some room for the Caps to let, you know, Hendricks LaPierre and Conor McMichael kind of have their chance for the first 10 games of the year. Um, and the other good news is Nick Backstrom was on the ice this morning, and it sounds like that was the first time he's really joined the group, um, even if it was just in a small way. I'm not sure, like, if I don't, I don't think he, like, took full part in practice or anything like that, but he was on the ice, he was skating around, he was with the fellas, so I think that's great news, and this means that, yes, he's on long-term IR but I do have faith we'll see him this season. I have faith we'll see him in the year 2021.
2: Um, Yeah, I I think things are looking up for that situation. Could not agree more. I mean, while we're talking about it, it's the the lineup for the Caps is out. Hendricks LaPierre, Connor McMichael, Beck Malenstein, they're going to make this team out of camp with Backstrom being hurt. I think we're all sort of under the impression that LaPierre is going to get the start on opening night. What are your thoughts on that?
3: I loved what I saw from Hendricks in the preseason. So I'm, I'm really excited for him. Um, I've, I've liked some stuff I've seen from McMichael as well. I think it's going to be really fun to, uh, to watch what these guys can do for the caps. I also think it's just like, it's what this team needs. We need a little bit of uh, youth inserted in the lineup. The biggest problem is that our average age is like 30 or something ridiculous like that, which I believe is the highest average age in the national hockey league. Um, Yeah, we got to mix in some speed and some youth there. And I think Hendricks and Connor bring that to the table.
2: Uh, I'm excited. I think it's good news. Yeah. Uh, While we're on the subject of the Caps, I think it's worth noting that Ovi could play in the Caps opener tonight. While you're listening to this, uh, he's been day to day with a lower body injury after his most recent preseason game. Uh, Harry on the ice today. He was also on the ice today. Harry, Sid is practicing with the Penguins again and should be back in within the first week of the season. He's not going to play the opening night. That comes to us from Emily Kaplan. Your thoughts on that so far?
1: You're all fucked. That's all I got to say.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, well. All right. Uh, Austin Matthews is going to miss the first three games for the Maple Leafs this year. He is not a hundred percent comfortable in playing after the wrist surgery he had in the off season. And then the Leafs are also going to be without winger Ilya Mikheyev for approximately eight weeks due to a broken thumb, which he got in the last preseason game. So sucks to be a Leafs fan right now. I mean, just well, doesn't, but, yeah. you know, and always, yeah, well, of course, and always, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not not good news right now if you're a buds fan.
1: No, and I just want to say, you know, this is dropping Wednesday. You got to listen quick if you want some tips from me for the uh, gambling section tomorrow. But typically, I love Leafs overs on opening night. They do play Montreal. Carey Price not going to be in net, but with Austin Matthews and I'm hearing Mitch Marner's now hurt too. I ain't taking that. Staying shy, but all right. Tyler Toffoli
3: is going to score a hat trick and he'll cover the over. By himself.
1: I do want to chat a little bit now that we're done, all the like news shit. Let's get to the juicy stuff here, real quick. Let's make some money. Um, predictions for caps rangers. Before we get to that, pens lightning on right now. I apologize if I've been staring back and forth. We've got about eight minutes left in the first, and the pens are actually holding their own and they're actually playing pretty well. So um, we'll see what goes down. Still zero, Ka- zero. zero zero. I had Capan in plus plus three hundred to score a goal. Uh, Jason Zucker just broke his ankle off for of the year. So what the fuck else is new in my life? Um, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, man. Okay. Wait, Are you serious? <laughs> Dude? No, he's like, can't walk. We'll see. Um, but I have Kapanen plus 300 to score. I think Kisperi Kapanen is a breakout player this year. Zucker is actually dead. Holy shit. Um, just put that in the blog later. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to <laughs> the season over Zucker dead. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I, I think Kapanen going to have a, a big year this year. Bolts are probably going to take this one. Pens were like plus 230 at one point. And I mean, shit, if you can get the Penguins that low with Sully as our coach, I think, I think that's worth dabbling on. But what we're all waiting for, the watch party tomorrow, the most anticipated opening night game that I can remember in my lifetime. Just I've got about. Group, I've got group chats with fire coming out of each other's assholes just trying to kill each other. So I am really excited for this one. I'm more excited to watch that than I am this, per, honestly. Um, I love that that's a home game for the Caps, too.
3: I'm so excited to like <clears throat> crank my TV volume all the way up and just hear Cap One just cheer in, hear the horn guy doing his thing. Hear yeah, instead of yelling. that stupid dump
1: right next to the subway station.
3: Yeah, I mean, what a joke. All the guys cheer in for like, predictions. Dump and, yeah. you
1: know. Rangers are plus 130. I think Caps are minus 120 right now.
3: I'm not going to lie, from a gambling perspective and trying to separate myself totally from the situation being an absolute diehard homer. Um, I think Rangers money line is a very tempting bet. I won't be taking that because I'm not going to sit there and root for the Rangers, obviously. But if you're out here and you don't particularly care who wins the game and you just want to win a bet, I, I would probably advise you to take the Rangers money line. I think that they are coming into this, way more butthurt about this whole situation than the capitals are which might work to their favor just because i don't know i think they're coming out they've got something to prove they're pissed off about the whole situation last year with panarin wilson all that stuff um but you know it, it it's one of those things it's caps rangers it's a tough one to pick i might advise you just to not bet on it at all just enjoy the game because it's gonna be a great one but what about could... that
2: over what about the yeah, over on
3: fights yeah, or I'll yeah, yeah, that of fights, one for sure. Like
1: yeah, I want to find a fights bet. Where the hell do I find that? It's probably like minus ten thousand, but it is worth also noting they have Tenorti up in the lineup for this one. So usually that's Neil's Neil Slunquist's spot, not tomorrow. And I think there's one reason why they got Tenordi in there. So um, and is
2: Reeves going or not? Reeves is good. Okay,
3: is he actually? It's, I thought they he's said going. no. Oh wow, now
2: he's going. All right. Is Ovi going? I think so. It hasn't been fully
3: announced, but I would think so.
1: Okay. I am excited. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. I'm I'm super pumped. I think we need to do like a round table at the end of the week on this one. This oh, to be good. Did you guys
3: get to uh, see that Ovi and Backstrom commercial? I did. Great.
1: So good. The so NH- good. Yeah. Like, what is the NHL's got on ESPN? We got funny commercials now. All three right? of them
3: did a great job. Oh, like acting, fantastic. Like they
1: all actually were really good.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Well, uh, this has been a long one. Um, thank you for your patience with me and the fans and everything else. So with we'll the see you tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we'll see you tomorrow night at Don't Know Tavern. I am super pumped for that. First live event for us with fans. So Yeah, please, if you're listening
3: that. to this right now and it's October 13th and you're looking at your watch and you're like, oh, shit, wait, they're talking about an event that is literally only a couple of hours away. Stop, get in your car, or if you're already in your car, going the other way, hop a UE, go to Don't Know Tavern, have some
1: fun with the boys. It's going to be a great time. Please go. And if you need, this is just a little tip. If you're, you know, not in the city a lot or whatever, um, parking's tough sometimes on the street, put it in your GPS, go to West street garage. Um, if you put in West street garage, follow what your GPS says, I think it'll probably cost like nine bucks for the night or something like that. That's probably your best bet to find parking and you won't have any side swipe issues or anything like that. So it's a good, good bang for your buck, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Great call. Uh, Super looking forward to that. I'm going to eat like my body weight and wings and beer, I think so. <clears throat> yep. Same here. Uh, all right,
1: everybody Well, hockey is upon us. This is going to be a fun season. Obviously today was a preview episode. So there was some things that we might do in the future that we didn't do this episode, but we're going to have a lot of fun this season. Um, it's going to be a great ride. So we're, we're happy to have you guys join us and we really feel like this is a big momentum season for us. So we're going to give you all we got and, uh, other than that i don't have anything else so without further ado class dismissed